Hello, listenistas. This is the 55th episode of the Fun Filtered Podcast. That is Sam. Hi. I'm Jordan. Uh, and I was right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> let's address listenistas. Listenistas. So we're back to that, are we? Back to what? The I've bra- never said listenistas. No, 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 no. Not that specifically. But back to a gimmick. Was that a gimmick? Well, no. Yeah, kind of. The gimmick of, like, a new term for the listeners every time we record. Okay. Which we used to do all the time. Okay. Or, like, say it in fucking Hindi or something. <laughs> I've never said it in Hindi. No, Japanese. If it, I, that's the one time I did that, was the Japanese Japanese, you did one, you played the intro on a flute or something. I did do that. On a Things like that. Because you had to beat me. This won't... This won't dissuade me, Sam. I know no, what you're, no, I know no, what you're no. doing. You're, 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 you're I, referencing what I'm doing that so that a, I can't do it again. That was a springboard into basically acknowledging that it's been a while, listeners. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so between has, recordings. I don't even know when we recorded the yeah. last one. Is that Pre-Halloween. It's the, it's the 26th of November. The last time we recorded was probably mid-October, right? Mm-hmm. Point is, is that why? Have you had too much time to think about it? Oh, no. No, no. I... Okay. Um, no, that was just kind of like, oh, I, I need to, like, intro with something. I right. wanted to get past the intro. Yeah, that's fine. Because I'm right about something. Go on, what are you right about, then? Should we do the coming up before I get into it? I've no well, idea how long it's going to last. Okay, yeah, let's do the coming up now. Okay. Then. Coming up. Jordan informs me of a scientific discovery. We review Dune, part one. A new installment of Sam's Lexicon, a double. We review Last Night in Soho. And we review No Time to Die. Mr. Bond. <laughs> yeah, so I was right. What, are you, what were you right about? I was right to be afraid. Of? Crabs. Okay, go on. <laughs> so you, this, is a, this is a thing that you know of. Yes, my I, fear of crabs. My fear of yes. crabs. I've said it before on the podcast, I'll say it again. A crab is just an armoured weaponized spider. That's what a crab is. Okay. That alone should be like cause for us to be concerned like, why are we just allowing them to be? But you could... Couldn't you kind of... You could describe most animals in a way that would make them sound sinister. Okay. Human is like a chimp, but we know how to use tools. And we've evolved consciousness. Yeah. And we can... And we're tribal, and we can, like, kill each other with thermonuclear weapons. <laughs> I feel like... Um, oh, no, hypersonic weapons. Isn't that the... the oh, that's the new one, one yeah. That's the loop. China. China. Yeah. China. na 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 Dead. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to end with a... <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, But I feel like the phrase armoured weaponized spider, Yeah, even if there is slight... Um, exaggeration? It, no exaggeration. Oh, it's an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration. Well, it's not a spider. It's not, it's not a... Granted, it's not like a casual description of a crab. No. But it is an accurate description. Well, weaponized. And it is a frightening description. Would you not... Would you say yeah, so? Yeah, but you're, you're fear-mongering. This is my point. No, I'm not. You are fear-mongering. Crabs you're trying don't... to instill a fear of crabs. I'm only people. fear-mongering in the sense that people just seem to be all right with crabs. I'm all right with crabs. Yeah, why are you all right with crabs? They're tiny. It's not... No. no. Yeah? No. Yes? Have you seen a coconut crab? I, probably not. It's bigger than a bin. What, a bin's relative. What kind of a bin? A wheelie bin. It's bigger than a wheelie There's bin. Like, I'm sure it's called a coconut crab. But yeah, if you go on Google and you Google coconut crab, it's, yeah. like, the, it's like a dog. Like, it's, it's climbing up the side... A dog's not bigger than a wheelie it's bin. It's climbing up the side of a wheelie bin, and it's like the length of the wheelie bin. It's huge. I'd be okay. I mean, I wouldn't go near it. Like, what's the biggest spider you can think of? I'm not really... I'm not like a wildlife-y kind of person. Just think of like a big spider. I don't know. A okay. There's, I think there's bigger spiders yeah, there than are. that. Yeah, 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 there are. But I think, from memory... 
I think a camel spider is, is the, the biggest. biggest spider. And that's like that a right. that's a spider. Yes. That's like, you know, you see it on the table, you burn down the whole postcode. Sure. You know, it's a big spider. Yes. Coconut crab dwarfs a camel spider. Okay. So I understand that like relatively speaking, yeah. it's like smaller than some living creatures. Yeah. But like they 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 still get too big. But they don't they don't a crab. but they're not threatening, are they? Like it's not necessarily size. It's got size we- doesn't matter. It's got weapons. Much. No, but it doesn't. Right, it's like, front two legs evolved into weapons. The size isn't necessarily the important thing. You know, mosquitoes are the, are the deadliest creature on earth. Okay, wasps, etc. Yeah. Size is irrelevant. It's what what they can do. And I just don't think a crab really has that much to offer. It it's, it doesn't have that much to be scared about. Well, it can pinch you. Oh no. <laughs> you it say that. Pinch you. You say that. Yeah. No one wants to get pinched by a crab. No one wants to get pinched by a no crab. No one wants but... to get um, dismantled by a crab. There's footage, isn't there, of like a like an army of crabs. There's like a corpse on a beach. A corpse. Yeah, like right. an animal corpse, not like okay, a human corpse. Okay. But there's like a corpse on the beach, and the yeah. crabs just like swarm over it, okay. and it's just gone. But that like they... there might be bone, but yeah. it's like it's gone. But if I was not a corpse, mm. I'd just like kick him away and stuff. Yeah, but like. One crab, maybe. A couple of crabs. A few crabs. You, Many crabs. If you went to Christmas Island, you probably wouldn't be able to kick them away, would you? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm not scared of crabs, the thing. is the point. Well, there's, no, there's no, like, place on Earth that a, the spiders have just colonized as their own. You go to Christmas no, Island... there is. There's a, um, a town somewhere that's been completely overrun by spiders. Okay. Webs everywhere. Like, the whole town. Massive fucking, like... Okay. Aragog-type spiders. Okay. Yeah. It's not an island... No, but it's like the site. It's the equivalent of one. It's like a where is it? Can't remember who's talking about it now. But it's a it's a town. It's a total town that's been overrun by like okay. It, we aren't bothering to try and get it back. Okay, it's it's over. All right. Yeah. Okay. In that one instance, in that one instance, yeah, crabs and spiders are on equal footing. Yeah, but you no, get- they're not because spi- spiders have eight legs and crabs have ten. Yes. So they're not on equal footing. No, crabs win that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're scared of spiders too. Yeah, but I'm are terrified you more, are of you crabs. Are you more scared of crabs than yes. of spiders? Right, okay. Yes. I could... I've never really been around like a camel spider, like a big proper spider. Never really? Or not at all? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen house spiders and yes. I've seen garden spiders that are like simultaneously small but also like big. Right. Have you ever seen those spiders where it's like, it's a tiny creature... And yet somehow you can see all of its, like, detail. You can see its yeah, eyes. Yeah, and even yeah. though it's, like, tiny. Mm-hmm. Somehow. That, like, anomaly of nature. Yes. Yeah, but I imagine that I could... I would be uncomfortable in a room with a spider. Mm-hmm. I could not be in a room with a crab. Right. But this is okay. just my point, right? Yes. Because I brought this up. I think, like, the Halloween episode was the first time I made reference to it publicly. Mm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, crabs are genuinely the worst. They're mm. horrible. They're this, they're that. And you and Eddie were all, you were both just like, oh, Jordan, with his, what will his silly minds think up next? Right. What have you seen, man? There's, there's <laughs> been an article, right? <laughs> okay. Basically, like, confirming yeah. that it is now officially recognized by science and by the government. How can you say something's officially recognized by science? Well, science was like, oh, we've noticed something. Hello. Yeah. It's like, right. we've noticed this thing, and the government went, oh, you have. We're what, going to, which like... Which government? The UK government. Right, okay. Because if you go on the UK government... Is that not the UK government website? <laughs> it is, yeah. It is the UK government website, and they have confirmed that lobsters, octopuses, and crabs mm. are now recognised as sentient beings. 
Okay. Um, crabs, they, they're sentient. I, <laughs> I don't know what the definition is of... I mean, I don't know what the word sentient means, yeah. but I don't know what the uh, parameters of sentience are. I, think I don't in, know what the lowest... In this instance, they can feel pain. That's why it was... Okay. Uh, like, they can feel pain. Yeah. Right. Because I think it's yeah, like... Yeah, I don't think they, they're self-aware. Yeah, like up until now, they, um, I think the definition was any creature with a backbone is automatically right. like considered sentient. A mammal is sentient. Yeah, because yeah, it can feel pain. Yeah. But now, the creatures of that ilk, lobsters, crabs, right. calamari, they're octopuses... They're also sentient. Yes, because okay. their nervous system allows them to feel pain. Okay. And this makes them scarier to you. Yes, because they're, st- they're sentient. <laughs> but again, I don't think... It's not like AI, is it? Where it's become self-aware. Like the crabs, and they now have consciousness. Well, why wouldn't it be? How can I answer that? <laughs> why would it well, be, though? Like, like said, we, we know, didn't think they could feel pain. Now they do. What's to say that, like, they won't... They can't, like... You know, they might be able to recognize themselves. They might be able mirror. to strategize. Like, right. they might... This, it's, we, we've learned that we don't know anything about them. <laughs> no, we've learned they're sentient. Well, we've learned they're sentient, yeah. right? Yeah. But things are starting to fall in place, and it's, it's actually worrying me now. Do you not think that... I would say, obviously, research is being conducted all the time on all types of mm. fauna. Yeah. Do you not think that we would have detected by now if they had consciousness or anything like that? Like, pain, I imagine, is a slightly harder dimension. That was going to be my... What I was going to say yeah. is we, it took us until now to figure out that they could feel pain. Yes, but if something knows what it's doing, mm. you can kind of see that. Oh, crabs know what they're doing. They don't know what they're they doing. They know You're what insane. they're doing. <laughs> Sam, they walk sideways. Yeah, they that like everyone's just like, oh, a crab. That's what crabs walk sideways. Isn't that yeah. novel? No, yeah. no, no. They're strafing. They're straight. What from gunfire? No, from us. Like they're keeping us in. They they're keeping an eye on us. Right. Okay. And didn't we? We had a friend right who recently went crabbing. Right. Crabbing yeah. was an activity we knew nothing about. Yeah. And we learned through this friend who was being taught by people who went crabbing frequently. Yeah. That the best bait to go crabbing with <laughs> yeah. is bacon. Mm-hmm. What business does a crab have enjoying bacon? Because correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. Isn't, isn't a pig the animal that we're most like biologically similar to? <laughs> yes. Um, so why? So why are we just like the hound? You've already said they devoured a corpse. Yeah. So why is bacon that much of a? I don't know. That's what we were told. Surprise. Well, because why? Why? Well, they obviously eat flesh. How many, or, or they how many can pigs have you seen on a beach? How many pigs on a beach? Yeah. Oh, or depend. Are you being figurative? Say I'm not. <laughs> what answer do you have waiting in the wings? Well, if you're being figurative and okay. you're just talking about like, oh, he's a pig, then none. If you're talking about, oh actual, no, okay. if, if, you're, if you're talking about actual pigs, several. That was the mo- several, <laughs> several, several pigs. No, I've never seen a pig on a beach. No, no. Um, but it's flash, isn't it? And it's dead flash. Mm. Bacon's dead flash. So they just like dead flash. Yeah. I don't. I mean, but it's not. It's not fish, which they're presumably eating all the time. Right. And it's not sea dwelling. Well, it's novelty, isn't it? It's not sea dwelling mammals. You go. Ooh, it doesn't smell like piss. What's that? It smells like burning flesh. Yeah. Okay. But what if you were being crabbed? If I was a crab being if, crabbed. If you were a crab being crabbed, or okay, if you this were is an like interesting hypothetical, or whatever the the human equivalent of crabbing is, right? Of being crabbed. Yeah. Where, where someone has 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 put out bait. Yeah. To capture you. Yeah. What's more likely... Love bombing. What? That's the human equivalent of crabbing. No, just like... No, not emotionally. Just like to get you from there to here. It depends, doesn't it? 
I mean, like... Um, but this is my question. What is more likely to attract you? Your favorite meal mm. that you eat on a fairly regular basis mm. or something that you ate, like, maybe once, 20 years ago? Right. What's more likely to do it? Because I can't imagine that they're going to be eating bacon and, like, humans much. Yeah. Compared to a dolphin <clears throat> or a fish. What if, like... Okay, what if their diet, say, the top nine things they eat mm. are fish and mollusks, d- different d- mollusks, mm. different things. Yeah. Right? And then number 10 or 20 or 30 on the list is bacon. Okay. Let's just say that. Right. right? No, I don't know how they would, or but they eat something that's similar to bacon or has a similar chemical or something like that. Okay. The, 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 the piggy pheromone. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Let's say that's 30th on the list. The oink chromosome. The oink chromosome, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, let's, let's keep going with this. The uh, the, the babe protocol. Um, no, um, yeah, so it's 30th on their list. So let's say I'm a crab mm. and I'm surrounded daily by the top 29 things on my list. Yes. I can have it whenever I want. Okay. So the 30th, yeah. when it's dangled toward me, mm. I make a lunge for it. Okay. But that's not because it's I prefer it to the other things. It's because I don't need to go seek that out. Mm. Like it's over there. I can just have it. Right. I'm not falling for that shit. But ooh, this is kind of different. Okay. It might be worth having a look. And you think this is true of every crab? Well, because we've established they're sentient now. They're basically just people. You sure? Like, yeah. Exactly they, they, the they've got people. like religion and all sorts okay. now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you um, think that every crab is just like. Hmm. Like they have, you know, they they like. I don't think crabs have personalities. Thing, is the thing that thing? Yeah. That I consume so infrequently, I recognize it as being a treat. Yeah. I'm gonna go after that, and it works every time. I think we need to stage an intervention on your anthropomorphism. Okay. Because it's affecting your life in several different ways. <laughs> okay. Firstly, your diet. I didn't commission this study that found that crabs were sentient. You know this, right? Really. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm supposed to believe that. I have, I? I have written proof from the UK <laughs> right. government. Okay, the, Boris Johnson the didn't has it. specifically written a letter saying Jordan didn't do this. <laughs> didn't do this, okay. We want um, you to know because we don't want to lose credibility. Yeah. Right. Um, what's your point with that? That I was, like, worried about crabs. <laughs> I was like, oh, crabs, they're just, like, a horrible thing that I have to deal... I have to deal with the fact that they're just there. But, but they're not there, though. You, no, but they have are. to deal with their existence yeah. some way, not yeah. nowhere near I share you. a dimension with them. I have to live with that. Right. right. But now... You said there's something like this on the last episode. What? Where you were like, no, it's just the fact it exists. Oh, yeah. I know I don't have to deal with it. Roast potato-flavored crisps. <laughs> Because your argument was, well, just don't have them. Yeah. And I was like, fine. But I feel like that argument is used quite a lot. And It's like, a pretty simple one. It's a pretty simple one. But like, how many things do we have to keep ignoring before we just don't pay attention to anything? Like, I could not, <laughs> I could not have roast potato <laughs> crisps. But sorry, my whole problem... Is this like that quote? Like, first they tuck, you know, the, um, the doctors. But I was not a doctor, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> then they tuck the blah blah. Is it that? Is it the equivalent of that? No, no. It's- How many things do we have to stop ignoring until, like, one day we are the roast potato thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my point is, like, that my problem is that they exist. Me not having them doesn't fix that problem. Yeah, but that's quite fascistic of you, isn't it? I don't think so. You want to stop people. Other There's people a problem. I want to solve the problem. I'll just ignore the problem. O- okay. What's the problem, though? That the, well, in this case, it's the crabs are sentient now. They're sentient. But the only thing that's changed... Not about- just now, but yeah. they have been for the whole time. 
and we've just right. been letting them get on with it. Okay, let's rather than keeping an let's eye on. Briefly, them. Br- briefly return to the anthropomorphism thing. Okay, because we know about your relationship with food. Yeah, you as you assign an animus to inanimate things. Right. I can't eat that thing, that chocolate rabbit, for it is like a rabbit. Yes. Yeah. Right. Nonsense. Um, it's really not. No, it really is. There's that. And it's, not, now, it's not literally and now a rabbit. You're, and now you're... No, yes. It, it is made to resemble one in chocolatey form. Yes. But it, you, it's not a rabbit. And now... It's still... You have this paranoia. Having a good time you're that s- I would be ruining by consuming it. You're worried about this so-called sentience of crabs. It's not so-called. Science has confirmed it. Yeah, I'm saying so-called sentience because while it's sentience, yeah. I think that word is obviously generally misunderstood. Okay. People think of something being sentient as being self-aware. Yeah. And it's, that's different. Okay. So the only thing that... The only bit of knowledge, your knowledge that's changed, the only thing that's changed for you about crabs... Right. You're terrified of them, obviously. Mm. Do you also hate them? <laughs> Divine hate. <laughs> Do you hate them? Do you have like a really like, oh, if I could fucking kill them all. Like, <laughs> like, is it like that? Or is it purely, I just don't want them near me? Yeah, it's that. Right. Like, and I, then why, then I, is... I, would, I would kill all crabs, but that would just be to get rid of the crabs. Oh, you would kill all crabs. Yeah, but not out of hatred, just because they need to be gotten rid of. But you, you're never around them. There's never a risk, really, of you being around a crab. I'm very rarely around terrorists. I'm still afraid of terrorists and terrorism and recognise the like, the damage that that can How do. How are they equivalent? Well, terrorism... terrorism, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. And it will... It could kill you. And crabs can't? No. Crabs what? just can't happen anywhere. You can't... You can't no, it this can't happen we're not, anywhere. We're not living in Magnolia. No, but it's the same with terrorism, right? A yeah. terrorist doesn't just appear somewhere. It has to be brought... <laughs> It has to be brought to that location. It brings itself to that location. The terrorist has to be brought to the location. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. like, it decides, like, I'm going to go to this place, uh, uh, and I'm going to do this now. Fa- but it's a well-established, it's a well-known fact of nature that crabs can't commute. No, they might not be responsible for their own commute. We move right. crabs around. Yeah, like, in the, like, on the coast and the sea and stuff. No, like, how and many? And we have them at restaurants. Yeah, city restaurants. Like, in, Oh, you're, you're worried that there's going to be an exodus of crabs. Just think about it, though. How many crabs are in Cardiff right now? Yeah, I often think about this. Yeah. Yeah, probably hundreds. Probably. Maybe thousands. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Dead. Dead crabs. Well, they cook they cook lobsters alive. Yeah, do they do the same for crabs? No, they, they put a fucking nail through it, don't they? Yeah, but in the kitchen, before they cook it. Right. So they get them alive. I'm pretty sure okay. that, like, most of the... Yeah, those creatures, they do cook them alive. Okay. Which is what, like... It's weird. The article said that, like, oh, we recognise that crabs and lobsters can feel pain. Mm. But it's not going to, like, change anything. So you're... They're on a list now. But, yeah. yeah, the whole point is that we throw lobsters into the pot. Yes. Boiling water. But apparently that's just, like... I don't know if that's changing Callous. or not. Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing it would... The ability of something to feel pain and experience higher thought is the thing that ranks the animal kingdom, isn't yeah. it? It's like, it is different to kill a dog than to kill a rat than to kill a fly. Mm. They're not the same. Mm. It's, I don't give a shit about killing a fly. I don't give a shit about killing a rat. I give a shit about killing a dog. Yeah. I give a shit about killing a dolphin. Oh, I think that was a recent thing as well. Uh, South Korea have announced that they're going to ban yes. the consumption of yeah. dog meat, mm-hmm. which was a nice... Like, I read that as well, yeah. Yeah, that's nice that they're um, doing that. Yeah, so you're worried that there's going to be at some seafood restaurant in Cardiff, <laughs> there's going to be an exodus of crabs, and th- that's going to happen on a day that you're around. Yeah. And they're going to surround you, devour you, which you already knew before the sentience, mm. but now it's the fact that maybe they might know what they're doing. The as fact well. that they might enjoy it. 
They won't enjoy it. This is the thing. The only thing that's what, changed. What was that you, supposed to mean? Am, only, I, are you, am I not consumable enough for you, Sam? There's too much of you to go around. No, if you've got enough crabs. <laughs> I don't know how much, like, what's the portion for a Which, crab? you know, if they're sentient, they could, they might be able to communicate, coordinate. Like, yeah, like, save it for later, as they, like, think of pencils. <laughs> That's how they communicate. They're not going to say save it for later, are they? Well, so it's like doing a thing with the pincers. Yeah, like you didn't even go to sign language. You just started smashing your hands together. Yeah, pincers. <laughs> um, As if that communicates anything other than just sort of like, whatever I want to tell you, I'm doing it with some urgency. I think animals have modes of communication that probably don't look that have that seem to have very little variance as far as we are concerned. Right. When a whale goes, mm. I don't know. I can't tell a hello from a goodbye as far as a whale is <laughs> no. concerned. So, but other whales can, and other crabs know that that means save it for later. <laughs> anyway, this is one of those instances where I do wish we we were recorded because that yeah, filmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was it wasn't just the fact that you're smashing your hands together, it's that you seem to like curl up when you're well, doing I was being it. a crab. Yeah. <laughs> um Yes, so the reason I asked if you hated them mm. was because the only thing that the only fundamental aspect that has changed in your understanding mm. is that now if they're killed or if we stamp on a crab it's her. Oh, you're asking if um, surely I should enjoy the fact that they feel surely pain. you should enjoy it because yeah, let's sentience in this case. I would imagine does not imply that they can do like maths and stuff. <laughs> I would say Yet. I would say it probably means that if you stamp on its pincer mm. somewhere in its physiology, a part goes. We might be sharing the rest of eternity together as some crabs. crabs. Well, they were here before us. They were here before us. They have more right than we do to be here. And, you know, like, if they can feel pain, assume that they didn't once feel pain, and then they... They've evolved the capacity for pain. They've evolved the capacity... How could that have an evolutionary benefit? (laughs) Because that's the first step, right? First you can feel pain, then you develop maths, then admin, then strategy. Then Tesla. Then Tesla. (laughs) Tesla comes after, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, no, yeah. I just like that. Things are starting to fall into place with crabs a bit now. What do you mean? Like the I, world's catching up to your paranoia. Well, science is catching up. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the fact that they will. I just. I don't remember you turning to me five years ago going, "I'm telling you, crabs feel pain." <laughs> <laughs> I just. No, tell. I didn't specifically say that. I said they're up to something. It, is that is them being able to feel pain? tantamount to them being up to something well that's the thing like we didn't we weren't keeping an eye on them they could very well be up to something are you saying because we've discovered something new yeah that means anything is possible there may be more to discover about crabs right and what there there is more to discover about crabs yeah and what the hell is waiting for us but like the nuances i think the big things we know about crabs like we know that they're not self-aware well they're sentient though which means they feel pain which means they feel pain what else nothing you would have said that no, because no, because last feel? week, if I brought this up to you last week, you would have went, "Oh, they don't even feel pain." Like, it, no, you, I wouldn't. No, you said, "Tell me, the science has confirmed that they feel pain." Yeah, Why now would I doubt it. Yeah, now, but yeah. a week ago, before this discovery was even made, right. I think this is literally like the last couple right, of days. Okay. You're saying, had you said to me they can feel pain? No, if if I said to you like w- we should be worried about crabs, yeah, you would have just gone, "Ah, oh, the, the crabs are nothing. Like yeah. they don't, they don't, they don't do this. They don't do that. They yes. don't feel pain. Like yeah. they're nothing." Yeah. But now, they, we know they feel pain. Right. So I, uh, what's to what's say... Point? What's to say that, like... As I say, what's to say there isn't more to discover? I would... There is more to discover. 
But again, it's the it's the like fine points. The twenty years from now, we could find out that they do indeed uh, have self awareness. They can recognize themselves in the mirror, and then right. you will just be going, "Yeah, well, I mean, they can recognize themselves in the mirror and they can feel pain, but it's not like they can coordinate." No, and it's just going to keep going. It's going to keep getting worse. Well, actually, last I wouldn't have said they can't feel pain because I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't have known. That's not. I wouldn't have. To be honest, I wouldn't have assumed that they couldn't feel pain. Okay, you could tell me crabs feel pain. I go, oh, do they? Right. I'm not that like educated about all these things. I think the like the fact that yeah, the fact that we cook lobsters, we boil them alive in water. Yeah. Because I think the whole thing before was that, like, because a lobster, like, screams when you throw but it in that, water. It's like gas. It's air yeah, escaping yeah. from yeah, the yeah. shell. Um, but now that they are amongst crabs, it's like, they're things that can feel pain. Yeah. Even though that, that's still probably the case, it is the air escaping the shell. Yeah. We might be a bit more hesitant to throw them into boiling water. Well, that's the only implication, really. Is yeah. you, we can't be as, not dismissive, but, you know, flippant. Yeah. We can't be as flippant with our relationship with crabs. Hmm. So and that's I mean the only thing that's I what I wanted the only, all the only negative you've, outcome of you've this. still got some catching up to do to me but ultimately right. this is what I wanted for us to not be so flippant about okay. our relationship with crabs but you do realize this isn't a good thing because the only outcome for this practically is going to be that there are more crabs because we won't be killing as many maybe yeah so this is just bad news for you it is bad news for me yeah. it's bad news for everyone Right. This is the thing. This is what. This is why I brought it up. That's why you get so frustrated. Because you're like, oh, it's bad news for you. No, it's bad news for everyone. I don't care about crabs. But you should. Why should I care about crabs? You should, crabs? because... I, we, I live on a hill. You live... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you think crabs are not determined enough that they won't make their way up the hill. To what? Kill me. God knows what they have planned Sh- for you. Shut... Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a denier. Yeah. Because I'm a crab denier. Yeah. Uh, just shut the door. If oh, yeah, that'll, that'll crabs, stop them. Even a lot of crabs, it's quite small. And I don't they pro- I don't think they can push. If they push, they push sideways. Yeah. Yeah. So you you think an army of crabs is gonna line up along my door <laughs> and just like like those old medieval films where it's the massive like log against. I was gonna the say, you, you've seen storks, right? Yeah, I've seen storks. The wolf pack in storks where they, they Oh they, you think crabs are gonna do that? Yeah. Is they, that like, what you're really worried a about? A live transformer. Did you have a nightmare where the crabs did the wolf thing from storks? Well I'm going to now. <laughs> That is certain. Crab submarine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, sure. What do you want from me? You're nuts. <laughs> I'm nuts! <laughs> you are, you're nuts. I'm not. They you're have crazy man. They have weapons, they strafe. They don't have weapons. Now they feel pain. They don't have weapons. They they're do. Not, they're not, they don't have... No, it's not... They're not separate from... It's like if I punch you and you say your fist is a weapon. Like, yeah, it's a nice metaphor. It's not as it's my fist. No, but you haven't. You you have evolved an implement, a tool mm. in the in that is your hand that can do many things. Yeah. It can pick things up. Yeah. It can punch me. It yeah. can, I don't know, stroke things. I don't know. Sure. What, what other things do hands do? Uh, masturbate. It could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, make. You think a crab can need, masturbate with its claws? Need dough. It can need dough. Do you think a crab can need dough with its claws? No. No. What's your point? It can only pinch. It can, it's a pincer. It's designed <laughs> to hurt, to pence, to kill, and to maim. A hand is it, it could do that. Is it? Is it that has really, other thing, It has other utilities. Is that really what it's for? The pincer is for them to attack things, really, or it's for them to rip their food apart. Right there, you go. That's what it's for. Oh yeah, and that's just fine. Is that what do you mean? Look, it's bad news. All right. <laughs> Fine. Crabs are sentient now. It's bad news for you. And it's bad news. It's bad news for you. It's bad news for everyone. It's bad news for you because there might be more of them there now. Yeah. Okay. It's bad news for everyone. 
I'll, I'll start worrying when I see the news report about an army of crabs invading the coast, coastal towns. Okay. And then they start moving inwards. Right. In, ironically, getting us in a pincer movement. But wouldn't you like... <laughs> Wouldn't you like for us to well, not, prevent that from happening? Rather from than the, just the be like, oh, getting us in a pincer. Yeah, rather than just be like, oh, I guess we're too late. Yeah, this like, pincer dial. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll start worrying about it when the first harbingers emerge. Man found dead on the beach. Police suspect crabs responsible. <laughs> <laughs> a lone crab responsible. <laughs> um, I'm not going to worry yet. Is that okay? Can I not worry yet? Can I reserve my fear... For the next development. Can you at least admit we shouldn't have been so flippant about our relationship with crabs? Were we flippant about our relationship with crabs? This well, is the question. Well, we yeah, we, we like cooked them. We yeah. drove nails into them. Yeah. We were just like, oh, look, it's a crab. It's just there. Right. We, crabbing is an activity where yeah. we're like, ah, there you are, crab. Okay, off you go then. Yeah. I mean, what kind of message is that sending to the crab kin- kingdom? That we own them. Yeah. We own their asses. And they're not going to be happy about that. No, but I don't think they have the I don't think they have the tools or the means to wage uh, a revolution on us. Yet. No. Ever. They went from When has that has that ever happened? They went from a lack of sentience to gaining st- sentient no. status. <laughs> they haven't, it's in yeah, yeah. it's they haven't, it's recognized they, by science and it's recognized by law. This Sam. they haven't evolved sentience, have they? We've just we've just now understood that they have it. This should cheer you up, if anything. Why? Because now, if you, if you're if you're using sentience to mean self-aware, they could be coordinating planning. All this time, they've been sentient mm. for millions, billions, probably of years. They've mm. been sentient, and they haven't done anything. All the while, that we know right. they haven't they, evolved. Well, the well, okay, so they colonized an entire island. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> What else and have also, they done? We, well, that's the thing. We don't also, know. Also, they look kind of creepy. We don't know. We weren't keeping an eye on them. Because we don't have to, do we? Don't have to keep an eye on the crabs. Mm. This, should ju- this should cheer you up. It should cheer you up. And yet. Because what, what, what if it turns out, right? And all, yet. All this time, dogs could mutate into <laughs> larger than human robots and kill their masters if they felt like it. <laughs> right. It is still a bit like, oh, God, they can do that. Mm. But they never have. So, oh, good. We can trust dogs. That we know of. What? No, <laughs> that we know of. I think we're pretty certain that no dog has ever transformed into a larger-than-human robot. Well, it's never happened, and we found out about it. No. But maybe, yeah. Maybe in North Korea or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The Hermit Kingdom. Hermit crabs. It all, it all comes <laughs> back together. You telling me that whatever the ill, which one's the ill? Which one's the one? Oh, um, is it Kim Il Sung? Un? Kim Il, Kim, Kim, Kim Jong Un, I think is Kim Jong Un. Yeah. You telling me he's not a crab? <laughs> oh dear. You telling me we <laughs> have gone off the deep end? <laughs> you telling me that there's not a reason nobody comes out of North Korea? It's because he's a crab, or he answers to the crabs. <laughs> okay. See. The thing about the orange chocolate, okay? <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, there, there is a pattern because, mm. as, as I would argue, companies jumping on a bandwagon. A few products did well, so they're jumping. Nothing sinister, whatever. That's my take. Yeah. You think something's going on, but we can both acknowledge that there's been a spate of new orange chocolate products. Yes. Okay, fine. So as conspiracy theories go, okay. at least there's the pattern from which to 
draw a conclusion. Yes. A misapprehension in your case, I would say. Sure. You're now saying that the leader of North Korea <laughs> might either be a crab or answer to them. Do you understand why I'm starting to get concerned? I put it forward because for consideration. I, because I didn't I, say it because, was happening. Because I don't know what the... There was no, like, interim delusion. <laughs> you went straight from... We didn't build up no, to it. No, there was a lot of... There was just there's a lot of chocolate orange stuff. What's going? That's weird. Isn't yeah. it? To now, I'm telling you, crabs. It's <laughs> the crabs have taken Pyongyang. <laughs> um, again, can I just reserve my fear for further developments? Do so at your peril. That's my response. Okay. Well, you keep an eye on them for me, and you let me know. Mm. Follow crab. Follow crustacean daily, and let me know what's happening. See, are you not concerned that they've got their own newspaper? That's weird, isn't it? Crustacean daily. Yeah. <laughs> It, we should. What, what should be more concerning is that there's only one. Only they, one they, news, they've monopolized. No, they've got no um, desire to create competitors in the newspaper industry. In the crab world, so like yeah, we all, yeah. We only crab. we're all. This is a united front, gentlemen. We only yeah. need one newspaper. To be fair, there's, there's no, no propaganda not, in these parts. We all know the score. To be fair, there's probably not much news in the realm of crabs, is there? Like, what is there to report? It's yeah. about people. About people. Yeah. Right. They're probably panicking right now. It's like, oh shit, they've discovered we can feel pain. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you keep an eye on it. All right? You keep an eye on it. I will. I will, <laughs> I will let you know of any further developments. Feedback. I will. Yeah. Stay tuned for John's further episodes of Mania. <laughs> All right, we done with crabs? Well. Are they done with us? Yeah, the that's the question. <laughs> Should we do a film review, George? Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, we should point out, we should promise the audience a review. Okay. We were going to review The French Dispatch, weren't we? Oh, yeah, this was going to be a, a four, yeah. four-pronged podcast. We are going to do four film reviews, but The French Dispatch, we unfortunately didn't get to. No confidence in Wes Anderson films from cinemas. No. There was one cinema. Well, there were two cinemas, but in fairness, one of them was one of those, like, artsy, like... Chapter was yeah, really like it, all all the students go there and they drink craft ale and they 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 talk about how rubbish mainstream cinema is. Yes, but yeah, they they screened it for like a couple of weeks and then there was like one uh, like multiplex that did it for like one screen, two showings a day for like a week yeah. or two. Well, this kind of highlights in a way the necessity of popcorn blockbuster fare because you need those films to allow them to screen the other films mm. like the thought like maybe at the moment because cinema's still getting back on its feet it's like we can only show what the shit munchers are going to want to go and see right we can't afford to like screen the french dispatch mm. and you know Cineworld. So, ironically that's the only one that was showing, that's the only one showing yeah. yeah yeah um the odeon or whatever yeah, yeah. or view uh, but may- maybe in like showcase a- name them all showcase. go on this, you've already this, started that's the other one maybe in a couple of years um, it'll be more possible because Cineworld in Cardiff always did like if a film came out it would go there mm. really no matter how kind of indie or how obscure yeah. it would be there for a bit mm. like we went to see Calvary there you yeah, know, yeah. like loads of little films like that so it is strange that it wasn't there more mm. but anyway the point being that we will review it like there are certain films now that we know we're going to review either because we're fans of the directors or even if we don't like the film we're still going to talk about it yeah and Wes Anderson is one of those directors, so we're just making the promise now 
we will at some point review yes when, when, when we can we will yes. we will talk about it but now we're going to review dune 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 not doom no not doom no i i feel like at some point i'm going to call it doom yeah dune it's because we're welsh it's like an affectation to keep saying dune yeah it's doom <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I do feel like that's going to happen. So that's just me saying up front, like, I apologize if that happens. We're calling it Dune. I, but Dune, I am, I'm, I'm trying. Okay. Dune. Dune. Dune part one. Dune part one. Did we know? Yeah. We did know. We knew beforehand it was going to be at least a two-parter, yeah. How long before? Oh, a while. Okay, because yeah. I didn't. Right. And okay. I don't know if you brought this up to me. But I yeah, I, I started watching it, then the Dune title card came up, mm-hmm. and then it went, part one, and it just faded out to yes. something else. I went, oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah. You were trying to hide that from me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's part one of two, and maybe three. Yeah, well, certainly two. Definitely two. That's been commissioned. It's happening. Isn't, um, is it halfway through the book, this this film ends? Not a clue. Okay, I think I, I heard that. My but... knowledge of Dune is that it was written by Frank Herbert, it involved spice. Okay. It was hard sci-fi. And it's well regarded among science fiction fans, mm. and it's it's one of the like unfilmable, hard to capture kind of novels. Yeah, um, that's all I knew about it. I don't know any of the story. I don't know. No, and I have no idea if this is even considered a a good adaptation. I think it is. Okay, I think it broadly is considered a good adaptation. Good because faithful, or good because don't know. Okay, just a good film. You okay, know? Um, but I think it's faithful. I mean, it's probably the detail is probably what's missing, isn't it? Mm. There's a lot of detail, but. The, the book is probably just rife with... Yeah, you can't, I'm not saying this is the case with the book, but you couldn't have, like, a chapter just describing the the process of how they mine the spice, you know? Yeah. You, you could probably explain a bit of it, but it's, yeah. ultimately it's like, well, we, we are telling a story, we kind of need to but like the, get going. You know those sacred trees that are in it, the guy is watering, and he's like, oh, these are the sacred trees? Oh, yeah. 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 That's probably a big thing in the book, right? Okay. I, that's one of those Or maybe things. it's something they're setting up for part two. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But you get the sense that, like, ah, then winking at that, because it's in the book a lot, but it's just, like, a detail. Mm. It's not part of the plot, so we can't linger on it. But mm. here you go. Here's the tree. Right. Um, I don't, that is just a guess. Well, I think the first thing and most important thing to say is that it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, there's, you can't deny this film the way that it looks. Well, it's one of the best-looking films I've ever seen. Okay. Hands down. Okay. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on a screen. Okay. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yes. <laughs> it, looks, it looks very good. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think that, that that isn't a thought that I had watching it. I think purely because this is uh, the latest uh, film by Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Who did a bunch of films, but the most recent one he did was Blade Runner. Yeah. Another big... Um, that was a sequel, in fairness, but another big like blockbuster sci-fi with a hardcore fan base. Hardcore yeah. fan base, sort of conceptual sci-fi. It's not like Star Wars where it's popcorn. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like actually like no, you have to. It's thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. you sit down and watch it. You yes. don't just kind of like, oh yeah. It's like no, no, no. You watch this. Yes. And Blade Runner is a gorgeous film. It is one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen. I agree. But the thing with Villeneuve, and I think this is something we both talked about. I don't know whether it's like a like a typically agreed upon thing amongst people Mm -hmm. um all of his films were kind of like the next step up right like yeah we've talked about this with other directors too like it seems as though like as their tropes develop and as their kind of techniques develop they seem on an inevitable path to one film or another and you go oh 
this was clearly the rules building to this. Yeah. Not necessarily like, oh, I have this film I want to make, mm. but it's just, there's kind of like an inevitable conveyor belt aspect to it. Yeah. So yes, how would you explain that with Villeneuve? Uh, well, I jumped on the bandwagon uh, at Prisoners. I know we did films prior Prisoners, to this. Prisoners, yeah, but foreign language films. Yeah. Canadian, French language films. Yeah, was it? Uh, Ensemble. That's the, the one, yeah. 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 But yeah, you got Prisoners and then you had... Prisoners, like, which is like a... a Beautiful film mm. with and with a script that's like good but not great. Yeah, it's it's a good film. Yeah, it's made a lot better by its visual. Yes. Yeah. Dimensions. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Enemy. Yeah, that's the fluke. Yeah, which is like a uh, what's that a little experimental kind of film. I mean, my understanding is that it's got yeah, it's a very experimental film with a, a script that's the kind of script you get with an experimental film. Yeah, the end is the beginning. Is the beginning is the end. Is yeah, the, one of those but films. again, it's got like striking imagery. Some it's not nearly as good looking as all of the other films. No, but it's yeah. it's I think the the the, the strikingness of its imagery yeah. sort of compensates for that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've got uh, Sicario, gorgeous film, mm. well written. Yes, step up in scale. Yes, yeah. Then you got Arrival, even again ma- massive. Well, not a massive sci-fi film again in the Star Wars way, but big ideas are happening. Yeah, and like a great script, mm. like a really brilliant. Yeah script yeah and again a very gorgeous film and a very good example of like cg live action integration yes then you have blade runner yeah which is it has a story running through it obviously it's not so much like an improvement in arrival is the best script he's directed Mm. it's not an improvement script but it's like it's inheriting much more it's oh it's blade runner yeah it's a big deal yes um and then so necessarily the step forward was while there's a story and that it's essentially a visual experience. Yes. An audiovisual experience. It's just yes. these this gorgeous imagery mm. with a story thread through it, basically. Yeah. yeah. But to me, that felt like his first lateral move. Blade Runner. Dune. Dune. Yeah, from Blade, from Runner. Blade Runner to Dune. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, like, know what you're saying. I, I guess the only way it's not a lateral move is that he's directing a series. Yes, and it's I suppose more. I suppose when you get to Blade Runner, yeah, where do you go? Yeah, the only place yeah. you could really go, I suppose, is if you do a denser film. I know Dune is quite dense with like yeah. information and detail and character, but like, yeah, um, I suppose I mean like a more traditional mm-hmm. block, like a like a oh, I don't know how to describe it. I guess like Planet of the Apes, where it's like a it's a blockbuster, but it's kind of a yeah, like like a quote-unquote better blockbuster. I don't know how you would characterize... Planet of the Apes. Like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. Like, they're blockbusters, they're action films, they're crowd-pleasers, but they're not... Well, they have heart and they have yeah, they, well-written stories. They're kind of character. in their own little... They're sort of slightly elevated from their peers. Yes. Because of their heart or because of their approach or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and Doom didn't feel like another... T- a step up again to me it sort of just felt like oh we're just kind of like doing I'm doing Blade Runner again but just like in a different I kind I see what you're saying and it's true that there isn't as much chromatic variety as there is in Blade Runner yeah well it's all all natural lighting right which is the complete opposite of Blade Runner right Blade Runner is it's neon to desert to grey planet to like snow it's doing it all yeah Uh, so yeah where do you go from there and I'm kind of glad that he hasn't felt the need to... Because you see this go awry sometimes. Nicholas Winding Revan, I, I would say, is an example of... Oh, yeah. Oh, you've just lost it now. Yeah. You've, like, only God forgives would be the disappearing up your own... Yes. Yeah. There are things about that film that are good, but it is just slow-mo, languid, just... I think uh, you said to me when you first watched it, you said it's either a one-star film or a five-star film. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm latterly more in the former camp. Right. Latterly more. That's quite an, that's quite a nifty <laughs> phrase, wasn't it? Good, you're all over the shop here, Sam. <laughs> Pincering. And, uh, yes, I understand that. So I'm kind of glad he hasn't felt the need to inflate the balloon because it's going to pop. Like Christopher Nolan would be a good example of a director on a trajectory. Mm. Like you start with following, which is just his first low budget India. Yeah. Memento. Okay, American film couple of high-profile actors, great script, calling card film, mm. Insomnia, studio money, Al Pacino, Robin Williams, basic script, mm. but it's a big film. Yeah. Batman Begins, right. Okay. You're on, you're on the map. Strap in. Yeah, strap in. Re- like, bigger, expensive film. Yeah. You know? But again, with ideas. Prestige. A slight step back in scale, but like, oh, they're letting him do what he wants to do now. Yeah. The Dark Knight. The, the masterpiece. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. You know. The Dark Knight. Oh, Christopher Nolan, you just made The Dark Knight. What What can we give you $500 million to make <laughs> that you want? I want to make Inception. Even bigger than The Dark Knight. Yeah. The Dark Knight Rises. I would say that's maybe bigger than Inception. E- just about. In terms of scale. Yeah. Because Inception, despite like the... The, the, like, the dreamy element. Yeah. Of it. It's actually quite an insular film. Yeah. Ironically. Like, the Yeah. It yeah. feels like it's got this like globe trotting yeah. quality to it, but when you think about like where the characters are, they're only in like a few locations. Yeah, really. plane basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interstellar. I would say Interstellar was the Blade, Christopher Nolan's Blade Runner. Okay, it's like oh okay, time and space. He's always dealing with those concepts in like an esoteric way. Yeah. Now he's literally like time. You see time in the film yes. represented as that fucking yeah. cube. Dunkirk. Okay, right. It's he stepped back now. Mm. He's was that the next one? Yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah. Again, I'm glad. And then Tenet felt like, oh, let's try and do an inceptiony kind of thing again. Mm. Am I missing any? Have I missed one there? No. Uh, I don't think so. No, that's all of them. And now he's doing the Oppenheimer film, which again is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Something different because you have to. Where do you go when you've done Interstellar? Whether you like that film or not, how do you go bigger? No, you do peak with Interstellar. Yeah. I suppose like a more emotional. Maybe that's why he decided to do Dunkirk, like a World War Two film. It's sort of like. Because it's an, a, an historical event that, like, everyone knows mm. about and it's affected everybody in some way. Mm. There's, like, an emotional... Well, I don't know, because the thing that people liked about Interstellar was that it had an emotional heart to it. It had a court because he was often accused of being a very technical, um, cold, dispassionate See, filmmaker. my memory of Interstellar was that the, the problem a lot of people had with it was that that clashed with Nolan's filmmaking. It felt weirdly like the emotionally charged ending mm. felt like it was sort of... It didn't quite slot into the well, story he was doing I before. don't think he's the greatest writing emotion or writing relationships and mm. stuff like that. He's a perfectly good writer, but he's great at ideas. Yeah. And if you hear him talk, go, oh, yeah, I get your vibe. Yeah. You're interested in, in concepts. Mm. But yeah, Interstellar at the time was praised for being a... Oh, he's kind of doing the Christopher Nolan scale, but he's like the father and daughter relationship is at the heart of the film. Right. And then Dunkirk is a very, despite its subject matter, mm. it's not saving Private Ryan. It's incredibly dispassionate. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a Nolan yeah. World War II film. So Even that's dealing with time, isn't it? Yeah. It, like, it, it's like a, a you, Nautilus shell, isn't it? Yeah. You've got three characters, three different stories, but they're taking place, place across different time scales. Yeah. So one story takes place across an hour, one takes place across a day yeah it takes place across a week and, then and occasionally it, you'll see them and, they, and they kind of 
end at the same point. So they end at the same yeah, point, yeah. but you'll occasionally see like Tom Hardy will fly a plane, and then in the other story, you'll see him fly over at some point. And yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, no, I, I just meant that like um, the subject matter was more emotional. Okay. Than just the idea of traveling the universe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. When you get to ten, it's like right, okay, somebody needs to like sit Nolan down and be like, okay, you've you've done it now. Yeah, there's you've no done to... the Nolanist thing you could do. Yeah, let's, let's no do way... other stuff, please. Yeah, going across the globe and filming in that's yeah, it's over. Yeah, not over, but like yeah, there's you don't have to keep topping it. No, because he was the one that said um, after when he agreed to kind of do the Dark Knight Rises, he said we are ending the story because mm. you can't keep infinitely inflating the balloon. That was the expression he used. Yeah. And he was right. But it like, take your own advice as far as your films go. Yeah. But I understand the thing, of course. Like, if I made a film or you made a film, but you get more money to make a second one. It's like, oh, I can't do, I can't step back in terms of scale. Mm. I have to keep pushing forward and forward and forward. But I don't think it's a good instinct. No, because it doesn't necessarily, pushing forward in terms of scale doesn't necessarily equate... No. Like evolution or growth. Look at Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Like his, he's probably made his biggest films, but they were, his first films were his biggest films. I mean, what's films. the new one? Is it Licorice Pizza? Licorice Pizza. That looks like a tiny indie. Yeah. Like, and that's after Phantom Thread and Inherent Vice. Yeah. Um, the thing I love about Paul Thomas Anderson, just brief diversion, is We that, haven't talked about Dune at no, all no, in this Dune review. No, no, we're going to get to it. We're yeah. going to get to it. He is absolutely not on that trajectory right there's no way like you make boogie nights we made hard eight that that was his like first one. Mm. then you make boogie nights then you make magnolia which is okay it's um got the ensemble thing of boogie nights but it's like longer yeah and it's more characters and all this stuff and then you make punch drunk love <laughs> an hour and a half stripped down and then he made there will be blood <laughs> you know it's there's no rhyme or re- i love yeah. him he just does what he wants to do just bobbing and weaving it's like yeah, what yeah. am i gonna do He's next like a crab. yeah <laughs> Uh, Dune, then. Okay. Uh, yes. Visually very good looking, but you think a lateral move after Blade Runner. From Blade Runner. Uh, not, yeah, I, d- I don't want it to sound like I'm um, trying to be a detractor mm. on the visuals front, because, like, Dune is undeniable in that department. Yeah. I think Blade Runner, because of its uh, chromatic... Variety. Abundance. Yeah. It's more visually striking than, like, a desert. Like well, if, it's if, if, you, if you were to look at the two... Uh, this is not, like, a criticism of Dune mm-hmm. at all. But, if, yeah, if you were to put, like, images of the two side by side, you're going to look at Blade Runner first. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we always say, isn't it, about, is uh, about, like, cinematography. Mm-hmm. The sign of a talented cinematographer to make inherently... Um, boring. Boring or uninteresting mm-hmm. or barren or just, like, unworkable locations to make them look great. Yeah. And this film is basically just set in a desert and in, like concrete rooms yeah and you know a desert can be striking but over the course of three hours no I know that but at the end of the day like what but that's can, like a yeah. point in its favour oh like, I see but okay, it does yeah. like you know okay, it yeah. does still manage to look like oh this is like a pretty film you know yeah um, I think it's, like, it's two hours 40-ish isn't it yeah it's not quite three yeah yeah it's close two, 20, two, yeah. for me the last 20 minutes half an hour could have gone or like been postponed I th- well, I say they could have gone not in terms of the content. Mm. It was around the two hour ten mark that I started to go. I think I'm done with Dune. Now. Okay, is that around the time of the helicopter crash? Well, that's when it should have ended. Okay, because I I, I, sh- I should have kept a note of it actually. Yeah. But I saw that somewhere. I saw somebody talk about. I think somebody who was familiar with the source material and they said that um, the film should have ended there. But if it ended there, it would have have to have been three parts. Because it, it, yeah. it sort of results in this slightly meandery kind of. It should have ending. ended with the, the helicopter crash, yeah. and then they encounter the Fremen. It's like, ooh, who are these people? Right. End of film. Okay. Right. 
not the whole battle and like you start the second film with that he's proving himself yeah you know I understand why they did do that because it's like it affirms that he's the chosen one at the end of the film yeah and then they'll walk off on their exodus into the desert together but I think it would have been just a bit more elegant because it feels like an epilogue it feels a little bit like a stick on yeah which um, it shouldn't if it's him proving his worth yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, so they crash and then I mean maybe he ended it like that but it's not like it's much more well, I mean, it's a, it's like, a, it's in a, case a, I don't get a part two yeah it's an ending then walking off into the desert yeah that whole, there was like a week wasn't there after the film came out where it's like well part two hasn't even been commissioned who knows if we'll yeah. even get to a part two it's like you're gonna get a, you know you're gonna get a part two yeah. why did they wait I don't know. It's weird, because usually it's the other way around, right? They go, this is a trilogy, and then the first one bombs, and then they quietly cancel the whole franchise. Maybe because it's... Yeah, that's true. Maybe because it's just so... It's it's kind of a known property, mm. but it's not a guaranteed financial... You know, it's not like, oh my god, a Dune film. Yeah. So they just waited to see like what the reception was and what the... I don't know. Mm. But anyway, the visual effects... Okay. Also very good. Yes. Very, very good. Big worm. Big worm. Just like the the, the ships and the... They just look like they're there. They do, yeah. They Again, really do. You know, like yeah. um, from Arrival in terms of like CG integration yeah. to this. It's like, right, okay, he knows. He clearly knows what he's doing. And I just love the designs of everything as well. I do. There was, there was a bit, and I suppose this is sort of leading into our opinions a bit. Right. I was like looking at like the Dragonfly helicopters... Mm. And I was thinking, like, what's, what's wrong with a normal helicopter? <laughs> right. Well, it's not Earth. I know it's not Earth, but that it's like a universal... I, the science of a helicopter would work in Yeah, most. of course. I don't have a problem with that just because they... they. I mean, they. let's say the planet where Dune is set existed. Yeah. They wouldn't build a helicopter. They might build something that looks like one or, or does the same thing. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know whether, like, inevitably, you, you, whatever cultural civilization builds a helicopter builds it exactly the same way. No. Uh, it's a raptor, it's called, isn't it? A raptor. A raptor, yeah. A raptor. Um, yeah, no, I found myself thinking that. I yeah. was like, I don't know if it's, like... I can't imagine those flapping rotors is, like, safer or more efficient fuel-wise. <laughs> I think they it's looked like, at an existing helicopter and went, no, we reject that. Yeah. It's just what they've invented. But I think, like... I sort of realized that I was like looking at stuff like that. I was thinking stuff like that. I was like, "Oh, is this mm. this might not be working for me?" It's because I'm I, like yeah. I'm thinking of like like I was I was intimidated from the start, mm-hmm. right? With that like exposition, it opens on Zendaya and it's just like random imagery. She's mm-hmm. like, "We're the Fremen and we fight the octopus on on the on the doopley doo." And it's it's like, not that bad though. That's the thing you're ca- you're no, it, caricaturizing it. I am caricaturizing yeah. it, but that's how it felt to me. I was like, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can. Well, I knew going in that it was it was dense. Like Dune is a heavy is a dense. Yeah, the the source material is dense. So I was kind of a little bit prepared for. Right, okay, you're going to be inundated with information, and then where, if you go in thinking that you'll be fine because it's really not that much. There's a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, like right, there's this place called Arrakis. You've got the Atreides clan, mm. and they're taking it over from an old clan. Mm. That's basically all you need to know. Mm. And the Fremen are like the Taliban of that. Right. Of that. Well, they are. They're like the, the cave desert people, aren't they? Yeah. Ooh, um, steady. No, that's, you know, that's what it is. Taliban are desert people. Um, I don't mean it in, like, dirty sand people. I just mean <laughs> the people of the desert. Um, so, yeah, it's like not nearly as dense as I thought it would be yeah. at all. 
Like, it's more along the lines of Blade Runner, which is, it's a visual experience. Mm. So I didn't have that problem with it. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked it more than you did. Definitely. Well, I mean, that, that's, I think, yeah, yeah that, that's apparent. That's apparent. I don't know, yeah. Well, what was it then about it that just didn't get you? Because I don't love it. No. But I probably like it the same as, if not a little bit more than Blade Runner. Okay. I don't know. I really don't know what it was that wasn't clicking for me. Like, those two examples I gave just now, like, the, the, the front load of information, even though, like, by your own admission, it's not as offensive as it could be. No, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's not Lord... Well, I'll take your word for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because that's the other thing as well. Like, sci-fi is not the genre that I'm, like, genre racist about. Because mm. a fancy film, like, game, fancy stuff like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, mm. I just don't have the patience for it. Right. I haven't, that's my, that's the main reason I haven't watched either. Mm. Like, it's it's fortuitous in a sense that Game of Thrones ended up ending in a yeah. shit way. Yes. Because now I have a reason not to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're just not predisposed to fantasy. Nor am I. No. Nor am I. But that's not the case with sci-fi. It's not. It's not as if like, oh, no, I don't like sci-fi. You're down for sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. but it, I don't. I really don't know. The, yeah, the fact that there was that info dump at the beginning, and that mm-hmm. I was like, though recognizing like the quality of the artistry, mm-hmm. the fact that I was looking at the dragonfly helicopters and going, I just like, is that just a case of like, oh, we have to make it look alien as opposed to let's just use the thing that works. But you wouldn't though. I, f- I feel like if I was designing a completely different planet, mm. I wouldn't just give them a helicopter. It'd be it would just be kind of incongruous. Mm. They've got a helicopter. I know, I know. like, obviously buildings, well, the buildings don't look the same, obviously. No, no. But there are fundamental shared, you know, generalizations well, about... Like, they've got a big uh, thing on... They've got a big thing that's on, like, Caterpillar Treads, and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, they, like, some of their clothes, I guess, could look similar to ours or whatever. Mm. You have to ground it in some thing... But I feel it would be weird if, like, oh, they're just, they're just flying a helicopter on this I know you completely mean. alien planet. <laughs> not, yeah. not this, yeah, I don't, I don't want this to seem like, oh, I didn't like Dune because it didn't have proper helicopters. No. Um, it was the fact that it caught your attention, but that, that implies something else wasn't working for you. It so. does imply something else. Yeah, was, yeah that's not the symptom. No, that is the symptom. Maybe, no, it's it not is the disease. Sy- yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's the symptom. It's not yeah. the disease. I realized that it wasn't holding my attention yeah. when I was like, that's not a helicopter. Yeah, when you, or, yeah when you start really thinking about plot holes and stuff like that, or, yeah. or just noticing things like that, something's not working. Yes. Yeah. And I really wish I could figure it out. Is it just because it's long and kind of, again, it langers? It's just kind of, it's not a kind of film. Maybe. It just, it's, it's like there will be blood of sci-fi. Is this type of story old hat this whole uh, chosen one prophecy well I mean like every, Timoth- Timothy every, Chalamet yeah. is just like he's the most important person in the universe he's great at everything he just needs to figure it out I mean you know the one thing is universal across sci-fi and fantasy isn't it yeah that's I don't have a problem with that because every fucking thing is about even the Lego movie it's a bit <laughs> yeah but that was like I know it's kind of a piss take yeah but nevertheless that's a trope of just, it is a trope there, there are trouble times and one will rise, the, the prophesied one will rise. And A review is probably not the right forum to be doing this, but this is me just like... Yeah. I'm, I'm just brainstorming with you now. Okay. It's like, why did I not like Dune? Yeah, let's try and figure it out. I would like to figure it out. I don't know, my gut instinct would just be that it's it was like long and kind of... Not much happens. Well, what did you like about it? Let's start with that and I see if okay. I agree with you. Well, the visuals, obviously, as we've talked yeah, about. And I, yeah, no, not, not no qualms about that, no. Love the visuals. It's it never even though it's consistent in its 
it's deserty. Mm. It never gets boring. No. I remember you saying to me that your first thought was, well, every shot looks expensive. Yeah. And I didn't have that. I mean, it obviously is. I didn't have that thought because that's like a cynical... You could watch like an, a Marvel film and go, oh, that was expensive. Mm. They show off how much money they've spent on it. I think that, yeah, that's in my notes, is that every shot in Blade Runner is gorgeous, every shot in this is expensive. Yeah. But I think that was written right after I watched it. Okay. So I don't know whether that implies that I've softened to it a bit. Yeah, I think so, because like, yeah, I wasn't watching it thinking, oh God, they poured money into it. I was thinking, God, that's fucking beautiful. Mm. They're obviously not mutually contradictory like they go together yeah, yeah, expensive and good looking yeah, yeah. but I think whatever whatever you think whatever becomes the dominant thought in your mind shows how you're viewing the film mm. you obviously weren't feeling it mm. and so your brain went ooh it's expensive mm. I was so I was thinking that's just good looking yeah um, I did think that though I did think that it was good looking there was yeah I know of course, like, you did. Of, wow, course you, of course you did but you also know? thought expensive yeah yeah but I, like when the big worm showed up I wasn't like that's an expensive worm no. I was like, ooh, big worm. Big worm. Yeah. What do I like about it? Well, let me just go through my notes and we can figure out what I liked about it as okay. well. Well, I can sometimes find Timothy Chalamet annoying. Okay. But not in this film. Okay, why? I just thought he was fine. I just thought like, he, had, he embodied that role perfectly well. But what did he do? Well, not much. But that's yeah. the point. That's kind of the point. He can be a bit gurning, can Timothy Chalamet. Or okay. Timothy, however you're supposed to say it. Um, Is that part of it? Is it the... Um what fucking name uh, the Americans the woman Carrie Russell Carrie Russell it's the Carrie Russell thing where you look at Elizabeth mm. in the Americans and you think oh she's just playing like a very stoic character mm-hmm. but then you see Carrie Russell mm. and she is a very not stoic person yeah so it's kind of the like it, even though it's like a, a peeled back performance it becomes impressive because it's it's a contradiction of the person maybe the I don't really know what he's like I, I suspect he's insufferable okay, but I don't, <laughs> okay. But because he's a young actor and he's like he wears these clothes and stuff <laughs> and you know no you know I know what you mean he, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, know, you know what, what I mean, mean. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw Ezra Miller has a band oh, and dear. they're playing in Cardiff okay. it's the most pretentious poster I've ever seen it's like him he's, he's shirtless yeah kind of like looking really thin obviously and just yeah. kind of looking like over his shoulder like that and then there's an androgynous other member of the band behind him a mm. woman with like really short ginger hair with like a like no boobs and a jacket a right. suit jacket open with nothing underneath it so you can see like the outline the outer outline right of the okay and they're just kind of looking kind of all sultry and it's oh fuck off <laughs> it's, it's that Christ thing I'm thin and I'm shirtless yeah do you know what I mean that messianic thing anyway what happened to the happy Mondays bands like oh that. I don't know were they fucking ugly fuckers <laughs> ugly and, fuckers yeah. who have a bez so they- now I'm 30 I only went with your mother cause she's dead <laughs> yeah where'd that go um yes anyway I suspect he's insufferable like after the stuff about Woody Allen came out he donated all of his money to and he said oh I didn't know when I worked with him yeah he's one of those so I suspect he's insufferable and he's in Wes Anderson films now he's a Wes Anderson actor let's okay. put it that way I like Wes Anderson films. That's the thing we like Wes. We Anderson like Wes films. Anderson films, but you know what I mean. With that, that it's a certain type. It's like New York, even though it's Canadian. It's that New York indie actor thing. Okay. Tilda Swinton kind of has it. Um, See, I would have thought it would be a Californian problem. What with Tim Chalamet? Well, like when you're saying like, oh, he's that. It's that kind of actory like. Yeah, but, I thought that would be a California problem. No, it's not the California. It's the New York problem right it's more than new york it sounds like i'm saying the jewish problem <laughs> I, I don't mean that. actually no both california and new york yeah yeah anyway okay timothy shaman i suspect it's insufferable 
yes. In this, he just kind of buttons it down and he's, you know, call me by your name. He's a bit younger. It's a good performance, but I, I don't love Timothy Chalamet. And in this, I thought he was, and he's dropped, um, he's dropped the tech. Something that he does in everything I've seen him in. He kind of like, he has his mouth open mm. and his tongue is kind of moving around a little bit in his mouth. Like, like his tongue is trying to find the thought as well as his brain. Yeah. Or just like, you know, like Walter White or Brian Cranston has his mouth open. Yeah. Like, it's a bit like that. Okay. And he doesn't do it in Dune. It was like, no, you strip all that back. It's like... Okay. Anyway, I, I the point is I just didn't find him horrible in it. Okay. I thought everyone slipped into their role quite snugly, really. Okay. Everyone just did the job well. Yeah. They delivered their dialogue completely straight, mm. which is important <laughs> for Dune. Um, informationally dense, obviously, but not as, as dense as I suspected. Um, so as with a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, a lot of that's detail. Mm. It's just stuff. It's not overwhelming. And I, th- I think you do settle into the references. As long as you know what Arrakis is, and you know the Atreides clan, <laughs> and I've forgotten what they're actually called now, but the, uh, you know, the, the Stellan Skarsgård's people. Oh, the Baron, his people. The Baron's people, yeah. yeah. I watched it with subtitles. Okay. And I would recommend watching it with subtitles. Okay. Because that way you can see how Arrakis is spelt and you go, right, that's what Arrakis sounds like. That's how it's spelled. Right. So I now know what that means when it pops up on the screen. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I was never lost, which I feared. Okay. But I was never lost at all. Um, and you've got that scene where the carryall is swallowed in the sand and they're watching it from there. No, Thopter is what it's called. Oh, a Thopter. Not a Thopter. I'm not the first person to make this point, but it occurred to me, so I'm going to make it. It reminded me of um, Rutger Hauer's monologue from Blade Runner. You know, at the end where he's dying and he says, I have seen star systems on the blah, blah, blah. And I've seen things explode in the mm. blah, blah galaxy. Like he's seen the scope of existence. As they're in the Thopter watching the carryall being sucked into the sand, I was thinking, yeah, that, that's one of those things that Rutger Hauer has seen. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the full range of all these like majestic, destructive okay. things. Anyway. I knew it was hard sci-fi and cold sci-fi, so I expected to admire the film. Right. Not to enjoy it. But I did enjoy it. I did find it exciting. Oh, okay. I thought, oh yeah, I'm kind of the Baron. I want him dead, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, I, I did genuinely get into it. Uh, and I thought it did feel like another galaxy. Whereas Star Wars, it's like, oh, that's Morocco. Mm. That's Ireland. Dune does feel like another, a whole different place. Okay. I don't know if you felt that way. Yeah, no, I, I do feel that. Yeah. I think I think when they first go to Arrakis and they're on the airfield and it's just like you've got all of those ships, yeah, and just the environment and yeah, it does feel like we've. It's like when you get off the plane on holiday. It's like mm. we're in a different place now. Yes, you know, definitely. I will admit that maybe I have a, a slight bias for Denis Villeneuve. Mm. I just really like his films. I like the design and the pacing and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and a good sign for me, maybe in the in the inverse way that you were thinking. Why isn't it? helicopter hmm. I tend not to like characters that I'm supposed to find cool right like oh he's the breakout one that everyone loves but I did find Jason Momoa cool in it oh I gotta, okay I gotta say Jason Momoa as yeah, well yeah Duncan Idaho that's the character <laughs> yeah I thought he was like oh yeah he's oh well cool. shows of respect call him Duncan Idaho, <laughs> Idaho. Um, no I just find it funny that even in that like incredibly hard sci-fi universe he's called Duncan Idaho <laughs> They've all got pretty normal names, haven't I they? I know. Is that deliberate? Is that like a thing? Was that a thing in the book? Or is that something they've done now? Well, they do and they don't, because it's like Paul Atreides. Yeah. You know? Um, what's his dad called? I can't uh, remember. Malcolm or something. Malcolm Atreides, yeah. <laughs> Keith. Keith Atreides. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I did find quite a cool character. Okay. 
Um, I wish Dave Batista was in it more. Not because he's good, just because I, I get the sense that there's like good stuff coming with him. Yeah, it doesn't feel like he was um, like he was there because he needed to be there for the right? next one. Like with uh, what's her face from Star Wars, like in the sequel trilogy, the Silver Stormtrooper. Oh yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn yeah. Christie, yeah, yeah. like. You got the impression, like when we, when, we, when you see the Force Awakens, you get the impression it's like, right, she's going to become important later. We're just seeing her now, and, the, and then she didn't really, and then did she, she didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was their failure. That was their. James like, here's a thing. Yeah, and, and Ryan Johnson was like, oh, cool. Anyway, yeah, um, right. But no, like with with Dave Batista, like if he's barely in the second one as well, then it's really a case of like you didn't need this guy. Yeah. So I do hope that he does get more to do. Like David Dasmalchian was more needed. In this first one, obviously yeah. he's killed off, hmm. so it's like, oh, Dave Batista now he, he'll get his chance to shine in the second one. Yeah, he does. You know, he doesn't have much range, does he, old Dave? But he's <laughs> fine. You know, I liked him in. He did something different in Blade Runner. Yeah, with Denis Villeneuve, and I liked him in that. And he's kind of not stretching as much in this one. Well, he's certainly found his niche, isn't he? Oh yeah, but it's like because you say that he's he hasn't got much range. Like Drax is not whoever he plays in this. No, that's fair. Like, he can do Drax, and he can do this kind of character. Sort of similar to the one in Blade Runner as well. And Spectre. And Spectre, where he was just kind of, like, intimidating. Like, in Blade Runner... Well, in Blade Runner, he's, like, a bloke with glasses. Yeah, I was going to say, he was, like... um, More frail. Yeah, Yeah, not... Because, you know, beats the shit out of (laughs) Gosling. But But he seems timid and mild-mannered. Yeah. And, yeah, I like him most in Blade Runner, because he's doing something different. Yes. But, yeah, I loved Stellan Skarsgård's look. The Baron. Oh yeah, it's it's like an instantly like right. That's a bad guy. iconic. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit confused. Is he levitating or is he just really? I tall? think he's levitating. Okay. Yeah, because he's up on the ceiling, isn't he? Yeah. After Oscar Isaac sprays poison at him. Yeah. He like flies up at the ceiling. Right. He's, okay. Like, huddling on the ceiling. Because that was like the first time where he like gets up off the thing and he's obviously huge. And yeah. It's like, ooh, okay. But I was a bit like, he he's got really long legs or is he? Because he's under like a cloak, right? Yeah. 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 I couldn't tell if he was levitating. Or- <laughs> He just had really long legs. I think it just comes down to ultimately like the fact that the film is, it's kind of archetypal. It's like a Sith Lord essentially. Mm. And the good guy is the chosen one. It's all, it's a simple story, which I like. I like a simple story Mm. in like a really visually beautiful frame. Okay. And I, and I did find it exciting. Like, you know, when they're attacked and Josh Brolin and that are attacking and Mm. thought, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm invested to see what happens. Okay. And, you know, at the end of the day, Denis Villeneuve is the finest visual filmmaker working today. If not the, Ooh. definitely one of them. <laughs> I would, I'm, yeah, my money, I'd put on him. When you say visual filmmaker, what exactly are you... His films are the best looking. Yeah? I mean, I know, like, cinematographer is, like, Roger Deakins, we would say, but, like... No, I'm just thinking about, because, uh, like, to bring up Wes Anderson again, he's got such a unique, striking visual yeah. style. But it's something that no other director does or attempts. No. So it's distinctive, but it... Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's idiosyncratic. It's more idiosyncratic than Denny. And it's a style that kind of, like, works because of its simplicity. We've talked before yeah. about how artificial the the like, the like sets and... Self-consciously, yeah. Artifi- you can feel the artifice of it. Yeah, like the, the Grand Budapest Hotel, the exterior it's shot of that. It's it's cake. Yeah. But like the exterior shot of the hotel, it's just like a piece of cardboard, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the hotel on a piece of cardboard. It's all 2D. Yeah. 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 So he's, he just so happens to have a style that works really well and like it can be done simply. Yeah. Whereas there was probably no simple way no. of bringing the sandworm to life. No, probably no. not. 
Which yeah. were like thankfully like genuinely intimidating. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. I was terrified. I like genuinely because like we on YouTube we do um uh like we mark the chapters with like pictures. Yeah, so yeah. like th- this will probably be like this section will probably be marked with like a picture of the sandworm yeah. or something. And I was like googling it to get the picture, and there was like it's weird. Like when it was like cut off at the top of the frame, it was fine. But like there's one picture where you see the entirety of the sandworm, mm. so its whole like eye, mouth, whatever yeah. it is, and I did just go. Ooh. <laughs> like there's something about seeing it in its entirety. It's because it looks. I think it's an aperture. It's like a massive app. I could be wrong, but like a massive aperture with like tendrils along the circumference of it. Yeah, it looked. There's some creature that it's sort of based yeah, on. But it looks like when it rises up at the end and you see it, he's looking at it. Yeah, it looks like a big eye. It does. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, that's even though funny. it's it's probably like a mouth, right? Yeah, it's like an opening. It doesn't have eyes, no. and yet there's this big like yeah. eye-looking thing staring at you. Yeah. That's another thing about zigzagging, isn't it? They have to zigzag to get away from the, oh, yeah. the worm. Yeah. They're, they're, well, how did that become a recurring theme? Their funky little dance. Yeah. yeah. Zigzagging. <laughs> so last episode, it was time. <laughs> and this one is just zigzagging. Zigzagging. Slaloming. Okay. So at this point, the cable for Sam's microphone became loose enough that the microphone just stopped recording, but not loose enough that it fell out onto the table where we would have heard it and seen it and been able to do something about it. We did catch it eventually, but not immediately, so for the next 15-20 minutes or so, you're going to be hearing my direct audio feed and just whatever bleed is coming over from Sam. It's fine, you can hear him, it is a disruption to the quality of the audio, I can only apologise for that, it's frustrating that this stuff keeps happening, but yeah, so apologies for that, back to the podcast. Um, yeah, Denis Villeneuve, one of the finest visual filmmakers, if not the finest visual filmmaker, and one of the finest filmmakers, period. Mm. The film occupies a similar place to 2049, where I really like it, mm. but I can't imagine watching it a lot. No, uh, like, I don't know what... I will watch the sequel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, independent of the podcast, I was gonna... Like, yeah. I would I would watch the sequel anyway. Yeah. And maybe that, if it's good, hopefully it is good, but that will sort of, like, improve my opinion of the first a bit, because I haven't disagreed with anything you've told me. No, it's... But I, I, we're it, still clearly in two different places. It was the X Factor just wasn't there for you, basically. Yeah. Like, whatever, the thing you can't put your finger on. Yeah, I objectively agree with you, but I'm not feeling it. Yeah. You just weren't feeling it. I wasn't feeling That's it. That's fair enough. So, yeah, maybe the film will, the sequel will improve it a bit. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say about Dune? I don't believe that I do. Okay. Uh, other than Zendaya is a hypocrite. Go on. Isn't there like a moment? It's the only piece of dialogue I've actually written down right. in my notes, but I think it's something like um, when they finally meet mm. over two hours into a two and a half hour film. Yeah. She's like, they say you're the chosen one, but you just look like a boy. Mm. It's, like, it's a bit hypocritical coming from Zendaya, right? She she looks just like a child herself. Oh, true. Yes, very true. It might mean something yeah. coming from yeah, Anton Chigurh, I forgot his real name. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Might mean something coming from Javier Bardem. Yeah. Not from fucking Zendaya. Not from Zendaya. Like, like you're boy. just a child. You're younger than me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Zendaya, though. No, she's I just... certainly being poised as, like, the next big, like... Thing. Yeah. And I, I don't see it. I, I'm suspicious of her. Okay. I just, in that, like, I, uh, I just feel that she's also probably insufferable. Right, okay. You know what I mean? She's one of these new celebrities. But she came from... Um, Disney TV, didn't she? Is that what she came from? Like, it wasn't from Victorious, but it was like one of those types of shows. Victorious, right, okay. iCarly. I think she came from there. I remember there. hearing her name start to be said, and people knew who she was, and I was like, 
Who the fuck is Zendaya? Yeah. I assumed it was like a, mu- a musician. Yeah. Because Zendaya. Yeah, one word name, yeah. So like, Disney what? To like, mo- to Spider-Man? Was that the leap? I think so, yeah. I'm on Euphoria, which is our HBO show. Yeah, and now Dune. Which you wouldn't me for, yeah. yeah. I'm now Dune, yeah. And then she's, I think she's got other stuff lined up as well. Okay. Is that it for Dune then? I think so. Um, it's obviously a recommendation from you. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's one from me as well. Recommendation if you're up for it. Like, this is not a blanket recommendation. You no, no, no. A, you need to have a, you need to be a patient cinema goer. Yes, you do. You need, you, yeah, you need to enjoy film. It's one of those, you, you, if you're in the mood for a sci-fi film, watch Star Wars. Like, don't watch. Yeah. It's not for the casual viewer. Yeah. I don't know. Just because it's long. Do I recommend it? I suppose, like, what I'll say is, like, if you do end up watching it, I hope you like it more than I did. Sure. Because I, I do feel slightly disappointed. That you didn't like it more. In myself, I suppose. Yeah, that I didn't like. <laughs> you didn't bring more of yourself to it. No, no, I, I feel like I brought myself yeah. to it. I was definitely there when it happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I came away from it and just sort of like, yeah, it was. It didn't. It didn't quite get there for me. Okay. And I'm, I'm sad. Well, hopefully, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with that. Film has to work on its own. Mm. But hopefully, the sequels will not recontextualize it, but like. Oh, I, I can get through that more easily now because I really want to get to the second one and mm. it's all one big story. Maybe. Um, but no, a film still does have to work on its own. Yeah. It just happened to for me, except the ending, which it should have been like half hour, 20 minutes shorter. Yeah, I think. yeah, okay. Okay, that's Dune. That's Dune. Right. Sam's Lexicorner. Let's do a Sam's Lexicorner. <gasps> <laughs> you you shudder. <laughs> the excitement I feel. <laughs> um, we have a couple. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, we're not doing that. No, no, we got to do the theme song. Oh, sorry, yeah. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. Should I start all that again? No, 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 that's fine. Okay. But, like, you can't... I go, we got to do the theme song. I know, I know. It's been sitting on my hard drive. <laughs> I've been waiting to use it. Okay. Has it happened yet? It's happened, it's yeah. It's happened, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have two. Two? Two today. Two now? To right now. Right now. It's going to be a third. <gasps> I forgot it. Oh. I don't know what it is now. So, yeah, for now it's two. The first As in you're giving, to them, you're giving them both to us right now. I'm giving them both to you right now. Wow. Not simultaneously because my mouth can't do that. Okay. But one after the other. Would you want me to layer them? They'll be consecutive. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the fact. And understanding neither. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll start with adaptation. Okay. Now you, as a listener, you're probably thinking that's a word. <laughs> Already, God, they're getting lazy. <laughs> Just a word. There might be a more elegant term for this, but just as like an instinctive thing written down. So like, what else could it be? Okay. Add add dash adaptation. No, adaptation. Add dash adaptation. Right. And this was devised as we were watching the leftovers. I think. I believe it was. Yeah. And we were talking about shows or films that had adapted a novel, usually, mm. but then continued after the end of the novel. Yeah. So they exhausted all the material, and oh, but we still have to do a show. Yeah. And we came up with a few examples of that. So The Leftovers being one. Yeah, The Leftovers, the book, the, 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 the finale of season one is the end of the book, right? The final line of the first season is the final line of the book. And then there are two more seasons. And then there are two more seasons, yeah. yeah. Take the ball and run with it. Yeah. Um, Big Little Lies is another example. Okay. The first season was the novel adaptation, and then they did a sequel series. And there's one more. Dexter? Was Dexter the other one? I feel like it was. Because they adapted the first book, didn't yeah. they? 
that I feel like maybe more books. There were more books in the series, but they just kind of ignored it after that. There were more books in the series, but yeah, I think they 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 did their own thing. I don't know if Game of Thrones would fall into that because they they were following the books and then they kind of pulled ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Presumably, he was like telling them what was going to happen. To some yeah. Extent. Anyway, you've also got uh, this is sort of something we've referred to on the show before. Maybe if it fits the mm-hmm. if it's the criteria, but the the bad genius TV show. Yeah. The final heist in the film, it's like the seventh episode of the series, and mm-hmm. it's a ten series, a ten episode series. Yeah. The final heist in the show, nothing to do with the original story. Sure. So yeah, that kind of like took the source material, and then when it was done adapting it, it just sort of went off and did its own thing. In a sense, you could say, and this is very unique, I can't think of another example of this, Watchmen could be an adaptation, the limited series. Okay. In the, it didn't even adapt the graphic novel, it considered that canon, and we're just going to do a sequel to that. I can't think of anything else like that. Is that, is that just a sequel, but because it's in a different uh, form of, me- like the media format's different mm. from the original, it feels... Like it sh- should be considered its own. I mean, thing. it is its own thing, but it's also if adaptation is you're adapting something and then and then adding on to it. Mm. Watchmen is like didn't even bother with the adaptation. It's like, well, no, we don't. We're not even going to do that. Mm. The thing that exists is canon. Right. That story's canon. Okay. So here is more of that story. Right. Yeah, that's kind of it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Adaptation. Adaptation. And then we we'll have another one. Oh God! Do we put the theme in again, or do we? Let's just carry on. Okay. On, let's not. Porter them. Right. Okay, so this... I'll start with an example. The Day the Earth Stood Still, 1950 sci-fi film. Uh, a big robot lands in the middle of like New York. Love a big robot? Love a big robot. What? I'm just saying, love a big robot. You love a big robot? Yeah. That, you're just saying that? Yeah. Do you love a big robot? Yeah. Why do you love a big robot? I, do, you, do you not love a big robot? I Ambivalent. Do you not see a big robot and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, you were genuinely just sincerely saying that you like big robots? Yeah. Okay. So a robot... That's, that's like... People like big robots, right? Well, you like Transformers, don't you? No, but like big robots in general are just like... A, that's a good thing. I guess. It's nice that we have those. We don't actually have those, but it's nice that like... <laughs> they exist in the realm of fiction. Yeah. Sure. So a big robot... Lands. Would they be a fictal? Big robots? Um, Tran- I, I, at maybe, the moment... Transformers, I'm... I guess, would be, but just like a big robot... I suppose so, yeah. Okay. Like a um, a mechanical kaiju. Yeah. Yeah, so, like an iron giant kind of thing. Mm. Sure. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> a bit of a, a fucking a kai, a mechanical kaiju <laughs> lands in New York, and uh, it's called Gort. Gort. That's its, its alien name. It's Gort. Like right. Walking Mindy, it's Gort. <laughs> and then in the 2008, I think it was, version of the film mm-hmm. with Keanu Reeves, GORT now stands for, like, Geothermal Optic. Like, it, right. It's become an acronym. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's basically taking something that now mm. might be a bit goofy. Yeah. Because we're in the postmodern era, and, you know... It's you all, you can't have any fun anymore. No, it's all a bit like... The only fun you can silly. have is po- poking fun at things. Right, and, like, it's the Nolanization as well. Like, we have to ground everything in a in a rea- realistic context. Mm. You know, like, the Batmobile, it's a tank. Yeah. You know, do they even call it the Batmobile in the in the franchise? I don't think they do. No, it's the Tumblr or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's a bit goofy, the Batmobile. <laughs> you know? And so, and it's with I don't. They didn't actually go through with it, did they? But Doom in Fantastic Four. Yes. Victor Von Doom is the villain. Goofy, comic book Goofy, and then they had the Josh Trank 
Fantastic Four, which was supposed to be it's the grounded version of Fantastic yeah. Four. And so Doom was just going to be his hacker name. It's going to be Victor something. Yes, and I think that was what happened in the original shoots, but then in the reshoots... Um, it just became his name. It just became, Victor yeah, Victor Von Doom. And you brought up a couple as well. Did I? Of examples of this. Bumblebee, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, I suppose this is a question for you. So, yeah. in the Bumblebee solo movie, yeah. he is referred to as B-127. Yes. You see, like, the film opens with, like, a flashback to the war on Cybertron, where mm. you have the exodus of the Autobots. And everybody's got their original name. Like, they're not referred to by name, mm-hmm. but I think they might be in the credits. You've still got Starscream, you've still got Megatron, yeah. you've still yeah. got Optimus Prime. You've still got, like, all this mad shit. Yeah. But he's B-127. Yes. And then, later on in the film, when he sort of teams up with... When he's adopted by Hayley Steinfeld... She gives him the nickname Bumblebee. Well, that's the thing. When they come to Earth, they already have those names, right? In the canon. The yeah. actual, yeah. Yeah. Silly. Obviously dumb because are the Bumblebees on... Cybertron. Cybertron. Yeah. And things like, you know, it, it doesn't make... It is goofy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, kind of does count. Mm. The only reason that it's kind of blown out of the water is because... Well, how do you explain Starscream then? <laughs> Optimus Prime I can live with. Yeah. That's kind of... A Megatron, like, sure. Sure, whatever. Yeah. But, like, Banshee, is that one? I think Banshee's one. Um, oh, I'm sure if you go through, there's, like... Well, you've got, like, the Dinobots, right? Dinobots. Yeah, exactly. Like, they turn into robot dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, how do you explain that, matey? So, that, that's kind of an example. And the Insecticons, that's another one. Insecticons. Yeah. Crustaceacons. Oh, no, no. They're big fucking crabs. <laughs> no. Kaiju crabs. <laughs> Uh, what, um, no, my question was going to be, so would yeah. you say uh, B-127 falls into the trope, or yeah. is there another trope going on here? There is another trope going on here, but I don't know if it's been identified or not. You've got this recent thing, because like, nobody has any original ideas anymore, so no. everything's getting remade. Yes. But it's reached the point now where we can't even remake something, we have to like do prequels to it. Yeah. So you've got like, you know, Cruella and Solo and like all of these like prequel origin stories. Origin so, stories yeah. for the villains or for whoever. Mm-hmm. And what they tend to do is they give a backstory to just like details of the character. Right. The famous one from Solo. Well, there's yes. a couple in Solo actually. Yeah. It's known for it. But one of them is that he goes up to like a empire. He he enlists in the empire and they say what's your last name and he goes I don't have a last name and then, He's like, well, what family are you from? He's like, I don't have a family. And he just goes, Han Solo. Darth Vader. Yeah, Yeah, like, he gets, like, it's a backstory to the name Solo, as if we needed that. Well, the thing, yes, I know what you're saying. That would be an example of it, because Star Wars, as in the original, New Hope now, it's archetypal. It's the Joseph Campbell... Hero of the Thousand Faces. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And it's Han Solo because he's a rabble. He's a lonely rabble. Yeah. And then Star Wars becomes this massive thing mm. that loads of people take really seriously. And all of a sudden we have characters called Skywalker and Han Solo. So yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe he's called Solo because he's Solo. Mm. It's it's retrospectively giving a context. To yeah. Him. They're like, no, he's called that because that's what the character is. You know, it's like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even like Darth Vader. The reason he's called Darth Vader is because Vader, Vada, is... Father is German for father. Is it? Is that one of those? Um... No, I think it is, isn't it? No, it is. Yeah. But is it one of those? Um, is it a smarter fallacy? That would be. What do you mean? Is that the right word? Have I used the right word there? Or well, smarter fallacy is something that you, the individuals think. Most people think the opposite of, but isn't. They okay. Don't actually... The inverse of the smarter fallacy. 
Is it one of those things where everybody thinks, oh, he's called Darth Vader because Vader is father? Yeah. And he's actually not. It's actually not. I doubt it. I mean, that'd be one hell of a coincidence, wouldn't it? Mm. The twist is that he's his father. Yeah. No, that's got to be. He must have known writing Star Wars that Darth, at least he must have known Darth Vader was Luke's father. Well, I mean, there's that whole thing about um, uh, the Millennium Falcon did the Kessel run in... Again, well, there are Falcons in a galaxy far, far Yeah, away. exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah... Um, it did the Kessel run in like uh, 50 parsecs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And a parsec is a unit of distance and not time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like he didn't, he might not. He's a dumbass. Known. Yeah, he's a dumbass. he might not have known. But I'm going to give him that much. It's just too much of a coincidence. Okay. I could be wrong though. But that's, you know, that's why he's called Vader. It's because it's in German, it's Vader. You know, right. Father. But then in the Revenge of the Sith, it's not even given a context. Like Anakin turns to the dark side and then Palpatine just goes, we'll call you Darth. Vader. Where'd that come from? What's Vader mean in the Star Wars universe? Did he just put two syllables together? Yeah. Like, He's what was that? Just like scribbling in his notebook. Of course, we're going Darth. Lamp post. Darth Black. What you, you know him? what I mean? It's like Darth Plunstrums. Yeah. Where'd that come from? What is Vader? What's Vader? <laughs> Darth Vader. Why, sir? Yeah. Oh, because Vader's in German it means father, and you're going to have a kid, and there's going to be a whole thing. No, it's, <laughs> no. Anyway, to bring it back to the lexicon. Okay. That concept of taking something that might now be considered goofy mm. and grounding it in a, oh, we're allowed to take it seriously. We're allowed to like it because it's taking itself seriously context. Mm. I'm going to call that process desillification. Desillification? Yeah. Unsilling oh, desilly. Okay, yeah. see. Okay. Unsillying a thing. Desillification. Desillification. Okay. So, adaptation and desillification. That was Sam's lexicon. Yeah. Samuel, words, phrases, Sam's lexicon. Shall we do another film review then? Yeah, okay, let's do another one. Let's do Last Night in Soho. Okay, yeah, Last Night in Soho. Well, the important thing really, Mm -hmm. the the reason we watched it, is that it's the next film by Edgar Wright. Yes, it? it is. That's why we watched it. That's why I think a lot of people probably watched it. I mean, you know, the film in its own right, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the latest Edgar Wright film. And it stars Thomasin McKenzie yeah. as a young girl. Yeah. So, you know, Edgar Wright's casting is still on point. Yeah. And she is a young girl from Cornwall? Yes. Cornwall. Yes. And she is, moves to London to study at the London College of Fashion, during which time she gets her own accommodation. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that whenever she goes to sleep at said accommodation, mm-hmm. she is transported back to the 1960s in Soho, in London, yes. where she's from. But she is either taking the place of or accompanying... In the form of. In the form of a woman who existed from that time period, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. And it's sort of like she's following her ambition to become like a a singer, a yeah. showgirl of, of... A Scylla Black. Yes, yeah. a Scylla Black of Soho. Yes. Of the nightclubs of Soho. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially it's very... It's such a romanticized, like, oh, this is wonderful. I get to see this girl and she uses that girl as inspiration for uh, her work mm-hmm. in the fashion school. And then as the film starts to unfold, you find out that things are not going well for this girl and that starts bleeding into... Thomas and Mackenzie's life and things and hilarity ensues. <laughs> horror, horror, horror ensues. ensues. Yeah. Well, it's self-consciously very different, isn't it? Yes. From everything he's done before, I feel like I have to make a slight. Uh, I have to walk something back slightly. Go on. Um, I think it was during the 
well, it would have been, if I said it at all, it would have been during the review for the Sparks Brothers. Mm. I probably should have gone back and listened to make sure. As someone who <laughs> knew what they were doing would have done that. Yeah. Um, what did you do, though? What did I do? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I just assumed I did it, and yes. now I'm going to retract it. Okay. So who knows if it's okay. even worth doing. But yeah, basically, I think I said during the Sparks Brothers is the 2021 is going to be the year that Edgar Wright shows us that he can do anything. Mm. I feel like I have to slightly walk that back a little bit. A bit, yeah. A bit. Like, he yeah. he has shown us that he can do other things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Maybe next time you'd like to go back to... <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's kind of like... It seems to be a, a conscious abandoning of old tropes and tricks. It really does. There's some in there. There's some stuff in there. There are, there are flashes of Edgar Wright Flashes of Edgar Wright, um, bits of dialogue. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's Edgar Wrighty. Yeah, and I don't like, want... Sorry, the whole, um, so brave, brave, so brave. Like, that's an Edgar Wright Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing. They're just, like, low-key mocking the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the girls, the students. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want this to come across as being, like, oh, Edgar Wright purists or fanboys. Being no, like, no, oh, no, no, no. He's, he's different. Why is he different? No, we, lo- we loved Sparks Brothers. <laughs> we loved the Sparks yeah. Brothers. And a filmmaker evolving past their tropes or, like, modifying their toolkit is not an inherent criticism. No, no, we, uh, we, don't, we don't want the same album every time. No, exactly. No. I mean, like, it's an extreme example, but Danny Boyle, right? Right. Well, like, he's different every film. Yeah, the only, re- the only time Danny Boyle would ever make a film that was like a film he'd made already was mm-hmm. if it's literally a sequel to that film. Yeah. He, everything he does is different. Yeah. Uh, but he still manages to be like a oh it's a Danny Boyle film I'll I'll go see that mm. you know he's still like a known filmmaker yeah. still a known presence. I'm gonna bring it up, go on because I feel like this is becoming a trope in Edgar Wright reviews mm. uh, certainly in our reviews but I think it, a trope it, we've only reviewed one film. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a trope I've seen like yeah. it's something I'm starting to see on the internet okay. a lot. I'm gonna bring up the Every Frame of Painting video Sam. Okay, yeah, I'm you gonna do bring up a lot. I'm gonna bring up how to do visual comedy by Every Frame of Painting. Go on, man. It's weird, like, I keep thinking of that video as, like, this obscure little video essay mm. that, like, we know about. Mm. And we just use because, like, oh, this is a good example. Mm. Maybe it'll... But it's got, like, 9.4 million yeah, views. Yeah, no, it's very... Because it's always recommended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, like, a known thing. Yeah. Everybody, like, if you know... I imagine if you know about Edgar Wright, you know about this video. Yeah, probably. Um, if you have, like, any presence on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to bring up that video for one specific reason. When he's talking about... Well, like, the whole thesis of that video is that Edgar Wright uses the whole buffalo when it comes to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. He's a great he's great at visual comedy because he doesn't just rely on ad-libbing with actors. He uses, like, all of these different filmmaking techniques to create humour at every opportunity. It's not just setting up a camera and, yeah, say stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Bo Burnham thing. Every moment can become a comedic moment. Yes. It's that. Yes. And one of the examples he gives is the sequence from Hot Fuzz where Nicholas Angel is travelling from London to Sanford. Yeah. I said that with some hesitation. I literally watched it last night. Did I you, should know it. What did you watch it for? Well, I was going to rewatch like bits and pieces of all these films okay. to make sure that I had my notes sorted and right. see if anything else generated. But I was like, I'd much rather watch Hot Fuzz. Yeah. So <laughs> I watched Hot Fuzz. Okay. That's a good film. It is a very good film. That's a very, very yeah. good film. You're like... Are we going to review Hot Fuzz now? No, we're, we're <laughs> going to try and not do that. But like 10 minutes into Hot Fuzz, he's in Sanford, he's met oh, Danny, yeah. he's like, there's so much that film achieves in so little time. It's, it's a big one, Hot Fuzz. There's yeah. a lot of characters and information and details, yeah, yeah. Achieves so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he brings up that sequence, 
And he says that traditionally, in just like a studio-made comedy, what would happen is if a tra- if a character is traveling from one city to another, you'd have like your B team. Yeah, your second unit. Your second unit filmmakers. Like the director wouldn't even be there. Probably the cinematographer wouldn't even be there no. either. And you just have them shooting like footage, like maybe have a drone shot of them going over a bridge in yeah, the car, and then yeah. you, sh- you shoot a couple of things with the characters, and then you put it in the editing bay, and you stick a, yeah. a pop song underneath it to yeah. give it some movement, ironically. Mm-hmm. And then in the hot fuzz sequence, it's not that at all. And he kind of breaks down like all of the information that you're, that's being conveyed to the audience while kind of showing why the editing of that scene is funny, like yes. the jarring cuts and yeah. very, very well done sequence. Last Night in Soho it does the thing that he was comparing Edgar Wright movies to. It does the thing where it just right. shows her on a train while a piece of music plays and she's just, like, watching the yes. scenery go by. It's not as, like, it's not as offensive as, like, a typical studio comedy. It's also not a comedy. And it's not, yeah, and, and Soho is not a comedy. Yeah. That is a big distinction to make. Yes. This is a horror film. We'll get back to all that. But it does the thing. He was like, Edgar Wright movies don't do this, they do this. But this Edgar Wright movie does the thing that he was saying... Don't get me wrong. I I, I know what you're saying. I'm not defending him. Mm. But it's like... The reason that that's used as the example is because it's it's a comic presentation. Yeah. This is how you do it in a comedy. This is how you do someone traveling from A to B in a comedy. Yeah. In a slower, more psychological film. Mm. Yeah, you could just have a shot of someone sitting on a train. Do you know what I mean? It's like... it's. Yeah. Not, um, it doesn't require that like innovative Ooh, that's an interesting way of doing that yeah I suppose my only thing is that that sequence doesn't really tell us anything in no. Last Light in Soho it doesn't tell us anything really about the character or about no. the tone it's just it just shows her travelling yes um, but the reason I bring it up uh, is because for me that became the defining sequence of the film and it happened right. pretty early on as well, which I think is what helped set the tone. When you say defining, as in it became a microcosm for your problems. Yeah, that was yeah. Last Night in Soho in a microcosm for me. It was Edgar Wright, but doing a normal film, not doing an Edgar Wright film. Sure. Whatever a normal film means, yeah. Edgar Wright was doing it. This doesn't feel like an Edgar Wright movie. If you didn't, if you told me, if you didn't tell me mm. this was an Edgar Wright film, I wouldn't have thought it was. No. I, there are moments where I would have gone, oh, that feels a bit Edgar Wrighty, but I wouldn't have thought this is an Edgar Wright movie. No, I agree. But I th- that's I would say that's self-conscious on his part, right? He's trying to not do it, that. It, it happens too frequently for it to not be intentional. It yeah. really does feel like he's trying to... Avoid all that. Yeah, not disguise it. He's not no. trying to disguise no. it. He's definitely trying... I think maybe he thought that um, his style wouldn't gel well with a horror film. Well, probably... It, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, he's also emulating... He's doing a pastiche of those 70s psychological thrillers, mm. like Repulsion and Don't Look Now and stuff like that. Yeah. So a lot of the, the, the tricks, he's probably lifting directly from them. Maybe. He wants it to feel and look like one of those films. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that, Shaun, that Shaun of the Dead, the Three Flavors trilogy thing mm. wouldn't work for this. No. Uh, but do you understand why? No, it's uh, I do. For me, that was like right. That sums it up for me. I do. It's just not that interesting. It's not that distinctive. What my point? No. <laughs> yes. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's the style is not that distinctive. It's just kind of yeah. Anyone could have directed it, really. Yeah. Obviously, he co-wrote this with Christy Wilson Cairns. I think her name is. I think Kirsten. it is. Not his first time co-writing. No, it's not. No. But that's the thing. Though there's a lot of nifty camera work. Mm-hmm. 
And the visuals are very striking. Lighting and mirrors. Well, this is the thing. Those are the two things that I wrote down. And the visuals are very striking, but that's the problem. The things... When you watch... We talked about this. American Beauty. Mm. What emerges? The performances and the writing. And the directing. Like, everything. The quality of that film. It Mm. all emerges. Blade Runner. The cinematography. Yeah. Things emerge. What emerges from Last Night in Soho, in my memory, is the lighting. Yeah. That's the defining characteristic of this film, and that's just not good enough. And the way the film plays around with mirrors as well. Yeah. Like, genuinely well-done sequences where, like, um, Annie Taylor-Joy is walking down the staircase Mm -hmm. and the reflection is Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah. But, like, the it's not just, like, a flat shot. It's, like, it's a proper, like, panning shot of the room. Oh, it's impressive. Very impressive. But it's impressive. Yeah. I don't care. You know. Was this inevitable in a way? Not necess- not not like the the, the, the the type of film that we got. I think Edgar Wright doing a horror film kind of came out of left field for a lot of people. Um well, like, a, like a straight up horror film rather than like an evil dead type you'd think he would do an evil dead type film. Well he's done that, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, but like a like a more like Yeah. That's like, the type that's actually, my relationship with horror. Yeah. Is the evil dead. Well, not the thing is, this. I know what you mean, but the thing Edgar Wright He's a proper cineast. Like, mm. if you follow him on Instagram, he'll post just, like, columns of DVDs that he's watched. Yeah. And you haven't heard of any of them. Yeah. I haven't heard of any of them. It's not <laughs> like, oh, you, the common pleb, hasn't heard of them. I haven't heard of most of them. There might be one or two in the pile. I go, yeah, I recognize that. It's that time of the show. How many films have you watched this year, Sam, that came out this year? 260-something. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, like, we're talking, like, old 70s films. No fuckers here at all. Yeah. But, yeah. He watches everything. And obviously he's a fan of just cinema. He watches everything he can. And he wanted to do that kind of film. So yeah. he did that kind of film. And it's probably a reflection as well of quote-unquote maturity. Mm. I'm now dropping the stick of my... He shouldn't. But I'm dropping the stick of my earlier films. And I'm doing a grown-up film. Yeah. I'm that- doing a non-comedy psychological thriller that has... A point like a feminist point as well. It's it how you know it's that's the thing though. He's dropping the Edgar Wright shtick. Yeah, he's not replacing it with anything. He's replacing it with just the the idea of a more grown up, emotionally complex film. Mm. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be a oh wow, like he's really gone in the other direction with this. Yeah, the only thing that's the same is that he it's the visuals are good, mm. but it's just not enough. It felt shallow to. It did. It, it felt shallow. No, it really did. That's and what. It, yeah, it felt like, even though I can't think of a film I've seen that's done this, mm. this also doesn't feel like the first. It feels familiar. It feels familiar. It? If he obviously, like I said, it is a pastiche and homage to the films he's done, but he's just done one. Yeah, he hasn't done anything with it. He's that's, just, oh, you've done one of those films. There, there's a couple of failings. This uh, uh, major failings of this film. That's yeah. one, right? Yeah. I know it's it's unfair. Like if you've got Shaun of the Dead in your filmography, if you've got Hot Fuzz in your filmography, yeah. you've got Scott Pilgrim in your filmography. Yeah, it's unfair. There's a lot to live up to. There's a lot to yeah. live up to, um, and it's sort of unfair to go like, oh well, well you, you know, you you did this. Why can't you do that every time? Mm. It's not fair, but. Well, Shaun of the Dead is often brought up as like yeah. a it's a zombie horror film yeah that is supposed to be like a bit of a it's not quite parody no it's sort of like it's not a parody no it's it's more pastiche but it's, it's sort just of, the it's a a zombie movie yeah it is but it's just it's funny it's yeah. not a, it's not a parody of zombie films no but yeah. it, it's like a lot of stuff that happens in zombie movies happens in Shaun yes. of the Dead and that's it very intentional that it's like oh we're doing that but we're doing it this way yeah they're only out there though zombies don't say that word why it's ridiculous don't say it <laughs> yeah exactly oh, 
<laughs> oh, no, no, no. oh, you're still doing the scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just like, oh, I've wrapped that up. But no, you kept going. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, see it shot for shot in my head. See, that's yeah, 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 exactly. But no, the problem there is that, yeah, Shaun of the Dead was doing, it did a zombie film, film mm-hmm. but it did it so well that it has now become the exemplar zombie film. Yeah. Like, it, it, it elevated itself above what it was. Mm-hmm. Last Night in Soho. I know what you're saying. Last it, Night in Soho is just another one of those films. It's not. It. Yeah. It's not. It you're saying do Shaun of the, the Dead, Dead was paying homage to this massive heritage. Yeah. Of, of zombie movies, this great lineage of horror films, and it became. And it's become an exemplar. Yeah. Yes. Hot right. Fuzz as well. It's just a like yeah. a. It's like, an action movie, a comedy action movie. Yeah. Yeah. A knowing piss take of American action films, but set in Britain, and it be it has become like one of the standout. Yeah. It's a standout action film. Yeah. Like, I think they said when they wrote Hot Fuzz, they, they read the book, like, 2,000 uh, film cliches. Yeah. And they just tried to put as many as they could into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't feel like that. No, it doesn't feel like a... Yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel like a cliché film at all. Yeah. Last Night in Soho just feels like another one of the type of films that it is. The thing is, the, the Three Flavors Connell trilogy, it had Simon Pegg, and it had all those British actors. Mm. Simon Pegg is very, very likable. Mm. And Nick Frost and all those, right? Scott Pilgrim, most of the characters are annoying, mm. but it works because those people are annoying. Yes. Ansel Elgort in Baby Driver is quite unlikable, I mm. thought. I thought eh. And Thompson McKenzie is so <laughs> irritating. So annoying. This was sort of going to be my question. Yeah. Uh, this is why I asked, was this sort of inevitable in a way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got Three Flavors Cornetto and then you've got Scott Pilgrim nestled in there as well. Yeah. Um, but they were seen as like, they had it all, right? Mm. They they were genuinely well-made, well-constructed, brilliantly constructed films. Yeah. But they had heart as well. Yes. They had characters that you cared about, friendships and dynamics that you were invested in. Yeah. Then you had Baby Driver, which had all of the artistry of the Cornetto trilogy and then some, mm. but it lost character. So yeah, well, the film's the, a gimmick, is the yeah, thing. like yeah. The, the stylish, the stylish, the, the stylistic <laughs> film that we got, yeah, but also the very cold film that we got mm. in Last Night in Soho. Was it an inevitable in a sense that like he will keep becoming a better filmmaker, mm. but his films will lose, the, we will lose the connection. They won't be cheeky, yeah, anymore, and yeah. they and they won't, yeah, and they won't have people that we like and friendships that we care about, and yeah, there won't be anything to invest in and again, it's other not, than the filmmaking it's not us saying that we want you to keep making Shaun of the Dead forever because we really like the Sparks Brothers and yeah. that was a departure it's a documentary for God's sake yeah. it's like even it's a different type of film yeah, together and, and I mean in fairness Edgar Wright didn't have to do this because it was already there but that has a dynamic that you invest in and care about you yeah. love the Sparks Brothers and yeah. you you see the synergy the, the male brothers the male fuck <laughs> <laughs> did it again <laughs> I've had how long to unlearn that <laughs> Um, but yeah so yeah was it inevitable that like every film we get from Edgar Wright will will be a great piece of filmmaking but it will matter to us less and less because he's losing that human uh, like quality well god I hope not Mm. but maybe maybe I mean it's a shame because it would have been nice to say he's had two films in the same year and they're both knockouts. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. That's why I walked back my comments. Yeah. Like, I really thought that this was going to be like... Well, we can do anything. Now, as soon as... Like, Sparks Brothers, that was the outlier. That was the wild card, right? We th- we thought, oh, that could be nothing. Yeah. 
And this one is the one we're looking forward to. So as soon as Sparks Brothers turned out to be really good, it was like, oh, okay, it's smooth sailing from here. Yeah, we can trust them. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. That was going to be my other... Yeah, so there's a couple of major flaws. Yeah. It's that. It's the fact that it's, you know, they seem to be diminishing returns with an Edgar Wright yeah. film. He gets better, but his films become less human. Yes. It's the fact that... It's winking and nodding to films yeah, without, it, without being... Without carving out an identity of its own. It's, it's just being, doing it. Yeah, it's being a genre film, but it falls into just being another genre film yeah. as opposed to elevating itself above its own genre. Yeah. And I think the other problem as well, which you kind of alluded to, this film is sort of one and done. In what way? Like, I feel like I've got everything I need from Oh, I'm night, never so. going to watch it ever again. No. I'm never going to watch it ever. Edgar Wright films are many things. Mm-hmm. And chief among them is that they're endlessly rewatchable absolutely this you is pick not... up new details every time yeah like and, watching yeah. Hot Fuzz like I was here there's like a moment where after um, the guy's house is blown up mm. and you can hear like one of the characters in the background being like oh yeah it's like in black in uh, backdraft yes in backdraft I'm backdraft yeah 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 you just catch you, different yeah, shit every time yeah yeah whereas this it's like I feel like what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is all that's going on yeah there are there's, no layers there's no layering yeah. to it and I've got it I got it yeah. first time yeah, never want to look at it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's profoundly irritating. <laughs> this thing with characters, Matt Smith's accent is weird. Yeah, what's he doing? Because he's just, he's sort of accentuating a cockney, isn't he? What are they doing? Because we didn't, we we found out that she was from Cornwall. The character. The character. I think it says in the beginning that she's from Cornwall. We couldn't figure it out, though. We were but trying to no, tell from her voice. She's just she's a New Zealand actress, right? Yeah. So she's just sort of doing like a sort of English accent sort so, of thing. Pan... Regional British, but then it becomes Cornwall. It, it like it, it it goes West Country. Yeah, and her voice is so high. Mm. And I don't know whether she has a high voice or whether because she's doing an English accent, her voice has gone like more girlish. Mm. But it's just sort of fucking. Cl- and we were watching it. <laughs> but we didn't go in with bad will. No, I, I went and thinking I don't, quite the opposite. Yeah, I, I thought maybe I'm not going to love this. Okay, but I didn't. I wanted to. Mm. And we were watching it. And then she, his film starts to doing a little dance and flicking her legs and stuff. Yeah, and I just turned to you and said, "She needs a clout." <laughs> She's a fucking clout. She's winding yeah. me up. Um, but that's supposed to be like, oh, look at the character, like at peace with herself. Like, yeah. isn't she just like, she's so young and innocent and like ready for the world. I just want to slap her. <laughs> just want to yeah. slap her. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Smith's accent is weird because like you said, it's too close to his own. So it's like, what's he doing? Yeah, that's the problem. Like, yeah. if you know Matt Smith, I don't know if it's a problem if he's like, uh, if this is your first time seeing him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you know him, if you know him, and if, certainly if you know him as the doctor... He's doing an accent, yeah, but it's too close to his normal accent, so it sounds uncanny. It sounds silly. Um, John is annoying. Her boyfriend, her real life boyfriend. He, yeah, he was really annoying. He was creepy. Yeah, he was creepy. There was like a couple. Like, wasn't there a moment where um, she like propositions him? Like they make out outside the club, and she's like, "Come, Come back. back to mine." Yeah. yeah, and she's like, "I don't know if I want to talk or something." Yeah, like it's a setup, and then he kind of goes. Um, or maybe we don't have to talk at all. Yeah. And it's like his eyes bulge and his lips protrude, and it's like Whoa. yeah, he's a creepy looking guy. Yeah, because he's meant to be like the nice guy, isn't he? I he's think, surrounded by all these uh, misogynists. I think that's the problem. I think it's that he's so devoid of like deliberately. He's yeah. so devoid of uh, cynicism and mm. nastiness. Mm. He's just a pure innocent soul. Mm. But I feel like in a film that is making you doubt reality mm. as much as this one. That comes across as suspicious. Yeah. Why is he so nice? Yeah. And he's and the film doesn't do anything with it. He is just genuinely a nice person. He's a nice guy. They stay together. 
Yeah. But there's like little moments like that where it feels like, oh, he's actually like a terrible person and this is like, we're getting a glimpse of that now. It's like he's going to be the final... She has this experience with all these terrible men. Yeah. And then it turns out that he's one of them. Yeah, you well. feel like that's the final point. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Ac- evil actually hides Like in Promising Young Woman. Like yeah. Bo Burnham was part of it as well, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so Matt Smith is weird and a bit, ir- a bit annoying. John is very annoying. and But Thompson McKenzie is profoundly irritating. <laughs> right. And she's the main character. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to like, oh, for this fucking nostalgia for the 60s. Just like... Oh, you really want to... <laughs> it's weird, because uh, um, usually you have to go to university first to become that kind of... A wanker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's, she's like it from the start. Yeah. Um, they all are, because she meets her roommate, and her roommate like scribbles out her last name, and she's like, oh, it's much better with just one last name. She's insufferable. They're all insufferable. Mm. Um, but yeah, the writing as well. The theme is very heavy-handed. Men bad. Men abuse women. Men... <laughs> Yeah. She's driving into London. She's in the taxi and he's like, oh, you could be a supermodel, couldn't you? Well, a pair of legs like that. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, right, okay. Oh, I'm going to the student housing. Oh, they're all like you. Oh, yeah. I'd break in and fuck you all. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, whatever yeah. he says. Ah, you can't. He literally, a character says that. <laughs> and Matt's like, you what, mate? What you say about my missus? Well, you've got... It's just... You've got the, the, the copper. The reveal with, like, the copper. Yeah. Like, I guess he was all right. Yeah. Her boyfriend's all right. But that, the film is about men mistreating women, isn't it? Like, yeah. what hides behind the stage, the glamour. And yeah, the, it's a bit of a... He pimps her out, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, so she, yeah. like, in the past, Anya Taylor-Joy, she approaches uh, Matt Smith, and she's like, I want to be the next Silla Black. Mm. Or, no, she says, I am the next Silla Black. And Matt Smith's like, oh, well, you got a fucking, uh, you know... <laughs> but you, you got <laughs> You got to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, prove it. You got to prove it. So yeah, they so so they like hook up, hmm. and then he gets her an audition at a place, and then Thomas and Mackenzie leaves and comes back, and you find out that she's just one of the backup dancers, and then yeah, he starts to pimp her out, and it become yeah. she basically just ends up becoming a prostitute. Yes, uh, that he's pimping her out to all these different people, and she kills them all. Yeah, like the like you're led to believe the whole time that like Matt Smith has killed this poor woman, mm-hmm. this poor innocent woman who didn't deserve this. Mm. And then like at the end of the film, it's revealed that the woman that she is, spoilers, mm. right? Are we, do we care? Spoilers? We've already done a spoiler, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. The woman that she's renting the flat from is the woman that she's been seeing in the past. Mm-hmm. And we see, she has a vision of Matt Smith killing this girl. Hmm. And then she talks to the old woman and the old woman goes, yeah, I'm that person. Mm. And then we see that vision again and it's actually her killing Matt Smith. Yeah. And then she's like, not only that, but I killed all of the men that I had sex with. And throughout the film, like the main source of horror, because it does devolve into just becoming like a horror film and like a psychological horror Mm -hmm. film. And the main source of horror is that Thomas and Mackenzie is seeing these like faceless men. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, initially in her room, they they sort of, like, creep up to the bed and, like, unbuckle their belt. And they're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then she just starts seeing them in the street and oh. in the library. And then they start to, like, infect all mm-hmm. facets of her life. And then at the end, this was, like, this is where it got a bit confusing for me. Because at the end, she, got, she, like, inadvertently starts a fire in this woman's house as the woman is trying to kill. She's poisoned her mm-hmm. and she's trying to kill her, stab her on the stairs. Mm-hmm. Thomas McKenzie makes her way up to her room. 
and all of the ghosts, what we learned to be the ghosts of the Johns. Initially, we thought it was just like, oh, trauma hanging around mm-hmm. the building. But no, it's actually the ghosts of these Johns. They break into the room and they like grab her and they like hold her down on the bed. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, ghost rape. Ghost rape. And then one of them like picks up the phone and extends it to her and goes, save us. Mm. Say like clearly want to call the police yeah, to, like yeah. you know so this woman can be caught but all of the like you've got that one ghost who's doing it but then all the other j- ghosts are still like holding her onto the bed mm. so she can't actually get free right that felt a bit weird like the ghosts have revealed their true intentions to her mm. and yet basically all of them are stopping her from doing it yeah by holding her down on the bed isn't that just what men are like something point <laughs> they're like oh I want you to do this but they're actually stopping you from yeah. doing it yeah ah, come, 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 come get it come on ah, ah. Oh, right. okay um, but yeah so they, so the woman comes up to the room and then she's like oh I've decided I'm just going to burn to death in this room and then and, and, fuck it yeah fuck it yeah. and Thomas McKenzie's like no you're a good person like you don't you didn't, oh yeah she's a good person yeah you didn't yeah, deserve yeah. this you're a good person and she's like yeah whatever <laughs> and then Thomas McKenzie yeah. just leaves and everything's fine after that it's horrible what happened to her, and like rapists should get killed, mm. frankly. But I don't know. There's this thing of like women killing men in films. It's never a bad thing. It's always it's always has a feminist, even monster. Like mm. Bill Burr talks about this all the time. Eileen about the serial killer Eileen Wernos. Yeah, murdered men, truckers, and stuff. And then it shows her abusive relationships and to like show. Oh no, she kind of had a point. Mm. It's like no. <laughs> yeah, it, it does like. Because I think I saw an interview with the the co-writer, mm. and she said that that was something that she hadn't seen before, something she'd like to do. Like a serial killer that you hate, mm. like someone that you don't agree with, but you understand them. You get why they do what they do. I've seen that. But did you, in the case of this character, yeah. did you understand why she did what she did? I understand why she did it. It didn't mean that I was like down with it. Because then rape her, did they, did they rape her? They just... I mean, this is the question. Like, she clearly didn't want to do it no, from the no. start. She was yeah, she yeah, was yeah. pulled into this life. She didn't want any part no, of it. No, no. She was, in a way... Like, it was Matt Smith was, like, basically manipulating her yeah. into continuing to do this. But, yeah, I don't know... Mm. This, is, this, is, this is where it starts to get complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Because, like, everybody was aware of the arrangement going in. Yeah. She clearly didn't want to do it, but no. she... Did it. Did it. And seemingly just... Yeah, seemingly like just, just like in, inwardly didn't want to do it. Yeah, like she allowed the Johns to do what I mean. They we're talking went about like the psychology of prostitution. Is is it, do we even go down this road? I, I mean, know like, it's complicated. They're not good guys. They're not doing a good thing. Well, they're not rapists though. It's different. It's different. No, they're not. Yeah, that yeah, that's the question. As far as I can remember, by the way, I don't think if the I don't think the film ever said that they. Well, the film shows her not wanting to do this. Yeah. And the men wanting to do it. Yeah. So I think from that you're supposed to assume okay. that they're... Okay. If not raping her, then like definitely taking advantage of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. And they're all depicted as like creepy, lechy old men anyway. Oh, so I love... Yeah, they're yeah. the kind of men that is like, oh, I wouldn't want them anywhere yeah. near me. Background extras and EastEnders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like I completely understand her killing Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. That was a long time coming. What he did to her. Mm-hmm. The men that she... The impression I got from the reveal was that it was sort of like a she killed Matt Smith and then her killing Matt Smith basically like galvanized her to continue to be a prostitute but instead of having sex with the men she killed them yeah that feels a bit like okay mm. like I get the Matt Smith thing and I get that you know the you know this is not a 
uh, a savory activity mm-hmm. that these men are willing, like wanting to engage in. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, if it's, I don't know, it's complicated. I mean, in this case, she's being pimped out, but like, there's a prostitute on a street corner, and I solicit her. Who's in the raw? I mm. complicated. She's offering herself. And, uh, she's not though. She's no. Being, she's not. She's no, being no, no. made to offer herself. Yes. No. She is being manipulated and abused. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like it's, we can't even say that. Like, um, oh yeah, but she's allowing herself to like. No, 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 no. She's not. I don't even want to go into it. No, I don't even want to go into but it. But that's the thing. I feel like yeah. you, to to untangle the um, uh, the message of the film, mm. you kind of do. You at least you at least need to understand your relationship with what. The film is depicted. Well, only because I don't want to go into. I don't think the film is like interesting or giving enough to have like a decent conversation about it. The message of the film is men, not all men, obviously, but a lot of men mistreat women, and and there's like a sexism and a misogyny that is blatant, and then this there are more hidden versions of it, mm. covert, seemingly innocuous. Misogyny is everywhere. Is the point of the film, uh, that, that, and I kind of don't even want to go into it even more more than that. That's know? my question, I suppose. Is the idea that the film is saying, "Oh, look, all of these men from the '60s are misogynist, sexist pigs"? Yeah. Oh, isn't it a shame that? Uh, oh, is it good that we've moved past that? Huh? But it's not doing that. No, that's my question. Yeah, is yeah. it supposed to be like a people like? The 60s were actually fucked. You have all this nostalgia for the 60s. Yeah. But they were fucked. Well, that's another thing of the film. Nostalgia is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it a case of, like, we're using the 60s as an example to show how all men are bad? Well, no, because the point is that it's terrible in the 60s, but it's also bad now. Again, that taxi driver. Yeah. The other guys at university, like, was it? Can my dick is dead? Can I bury it in your ass? And all that sort of thing. Like, John is the exception. That's the point. He's yeah. the one that's not like that. Mm. And that's just an olive branch to men going, we're not saying all of you. Yeah. Um, it's just a feminist film. And the it's cop as well. The, like, the, the reveal that he's a cop rather than, you, you're led to believe this old man is Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then it's revealed, oh, actually, he's a cop that at one on one occasion met her. Expressed concern. Yeah. She was trapped in a lifestyle. It uh, Interestingly enough, it didn't actually um, confirm or deny whether he went on to have sex with her. Probably not, right? Probably not, but yeah. he did approach her as a John. Because yes. it's part of a sequence where yeah, you yeah, see yeah. her meeting all of these different Johns, and then all of a sudden this guy is like trying to like reason with her, mm. like talk her out of it. Mm. But yeah, they, they, they don't... He might have still... He might have still? He might, he might have. The film might it doesn't really... Uh, no. I guess that's up for interpretation. Yeah. That's all i got to say about it, really. Last Night in So-So. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. All that for that, was it? Yeah. I think that's all of my notes as well. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a damn shame. It really is a damn shame. Yeah. Also, Anya Taylor-Joy. Sorry, very attractive lady. Mm. Singing isn't that good. Okay. Dancing is for shit. <laughs> that little... uh, she, she, but that's the thing. She's an attractive woman, isn't she? She can just play the arms and it'll be like, yeah, all right. I suppose so. I'm over Anya Taylor-Joy. Are you? I mean, not like she's attractive. Yeah. But I'm done with her being like, oh, she's like mysterious and ambiguous. Okay. Just play a person. <laughs> it's the witch and it's this and it's the queen's guy. Just play a person. Right. She's impenetrable. That You can tell she's a model. Yeah. It's she, all just luck. Yeah, she's got that vibe. Your eyes, the... you know, have a long distance relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One's over there. Yeah. <laughs> One's in a different postcode. Um, Are we done with last night in so-so, as you say? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, it's not scary. 
Oh, not at all. Yeah, we should probably point out that yeah, it's not, a horror film and it's all. not scary. Not at all. It's an essay, is what it is, really. It is, but it's not. It's, it's not quite Jordan Peele. I know that's like race no, and this Jordan is Peele. sexism. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not like Candyman, where it's like I'm not even sure that this is supposed to be scary. Like, what oh, is this? No, no, no. It's not as rhetorical and yeah, it's not as making a social point, mm. social commentary as much as. Candyman. Mm. It's just an idea. It's yeah. like the film's about misogyny and you know women and all that kind of thing. Because um, the, the Candyman was like a thesis. Like we're gonna ex- go up and down and explore this fucking yeah incredibly niche subject that mm. we're we are supposed to care about. But yeah, because the yeah the um, the imagery of the the spirits of the Johns. Yeah, as far as like a horror a, like horror scary image goes, it's not bad. Like faceless no. men that are kind of yeah like jittering and like it's not quite as extreme as whatever the fuck that thing is in the first episode of season three of twin peaks the thing in the right the thing in the cube it's not quite as like no ah as that (laughs) but it's kind of like that where it's sort of like phasing in and out of existence and it's like jumping around got a light yeah (laughs) not that the no i know yeah the 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 the, The i I don't know what it's supposed to be i know yeah it kills the yeah 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 yeah, and you're just like, I, what? Oh, no. Well, that's David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, what? Oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not... Uh, what? Oh, no. And then a 50 song plays. That's, <laughs> that's David Lynch. In its entirety, it's entire- I might add. Um, yeah, no, it's like, it's fine imagery. It's just not, again, it's it's it's, it's like... Pr- it's pretty. It's not clicking. I don't know no. why it's not, the horror wasn't clicking. Oh, it wasn't scary at all. No. It's because I didn't care about the characters. That's one of the big reasons. Right. Didn't care what happened to her. Didn't like it. Didn't like any of the characters. Mm. I didn't like Annie Taylor-Joy. I didn't like Thompson McKenzie. Yeah. Obviously didn't like Matt Smith. I didn't like Diana Rigg. Mm. I didn't like the cop. Just, it was like... Oh, uh, yeah. Diana Rigg's last film. It is Diana Rigg's last film, yeah. A For w- Diana. Worthy send-off? Could be worse. She could got, be a lot better. She got to play a villain. A surprise villain at that. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> okay, then. Um, okay. There's, done with that. Oh, there's one more? There's one more point. Go on. This point might, might not make it in, okay. but I feel like it has to be said, okay. because I, I, I've, I've consulted on this point. Okay. Um, so the person I've consulted with might be expecting it to turn up. Okay. So we'll see in the cut whether this stays in or not. Okay. We were a bit thrown off, weren't we, when she went into her student accommodation and she was sharing a room with a girl. Oh, well, you certainly were, yeah. I certainly was. Because yeah. I thought, oh, double rooms, that's like an American thing. Yeah. It's weird that they've, like, I'm, I'm sure they have them here, but it, yeah. it, like every experience I've ever had with student accommodation, it's always been single rooms. It's, or multiple. Or multiple. Not multiple. Yeah, yeah, single rooms. Yes. I guess I just thought, like, yeah, that's definitely an American university mm. thing. I suppose I just put it down to Edgar Wright probably went to college or university in London. Yeah. Like, He's going to know London inside out. He probably is. So I'll just take him at his word yeah. that that is a thing. Well, I thought that. I thought like, oh, well, if it's either just like he found the one place in London that does have double yeah. living. Or maybe, it's something you at least do research about. Yeah. It? You don't just like, so is it not a thing? But this is the thing. Like, it wasn't like a, like a deal breaker for me or no, anything, no. but it's thought like, oh, I'll double check just in case. And it turns out that that was filmed at Ramsey Hall and Ian Baker House. Okay. Which we've been to we've um, stayed in ramsey hall so ucl that's the thing it's a ucl building in the film it's a ual building it's right. university arts london right whereas it's actually a university college london building okay and we've stayed in one of those rooms and it's a single room yes so i thought right is the film lying to me yeah so i consulted 
with with the friend of ours who the, actually the who there. actually lived yeah. there. Um, and yeah, there are double rooms. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> but no, I like. Jesus I thought Christ. like I I like. I asked him, he was like, why did you ask? I mentioned it, and he was like, all right. So I don't know if he's expecting this to show up. And like I said, this will probably get cut, because it's nothing. It should have been... I, I should have integrated... Because you introduced something yeah. that only you were confused about. <laughs> and then said, oh, but just... <laughs> Rest easy, listeners. <laughs> I it's actually all okay. <laughs> no, but like I said, I should, I should have found a way of integrating it more uh, comfortably into the review. But I feel yeah. like we got pretty like into it straight away. It, yeah. There was no build up in this. We were just like, right, here's what's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's kind of no room for detail. But that, like, yeah, I just thought like, oh, the fact that we stayed there as well and I didn't recognize it, it was like I should probably check. But yeah, it's, uh, there are there double, are double rooms. There are double rooms. Rest in Ra- easy, listeners. <laughs> there are double rooms in Ramsey Hall and Ian Baker House, but it's not a UAL building. It's a UCL building. Right. So the film did lie to us a little bit. Is UAL a real place? Yeah, that's the university she goes to. Yeah, but I don't know why they invented it for the film. No, no, no. I, I'm pretty sure it is UAL. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was last night and so. <laughs> so it feels like that conversation started last night, to be honest. <laughs> um, right. Right, should we do one more film review? Oh, we have got one more film to discuss. We have. You? You've forgotten about it, have you? Most yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. In fairness. Unfortunately, I watched it again recently, so I remade notes, so I have quite a few notes on this one. Good. I don't think I have many. Okay, that's fine. We'll just zip through it and you can agree or disagree with it. Okay, all right. That film is No Time to Die. Yeah, it's not one of those, like, um, oh, yeah, we watched this little indie or just, like, this no. in the console. No, no, no. This is the next James Bond film. Yes. This is a film... That several times we've attempted to start a marathon for. Yeah, we were gonna, and we were going to review them all on this podcast. Yeah, we were going to do not all in one episode. No, no, one episode. <laughs> Fuck no, we're not that mad. Um, yeah, the first uh, fun little uh, fun filter Behind trivia, the scenes. whatever. The fir- we might have even brought this up before. Like right, done. the original episode sixteen was a review of every Sean Connery James Bond film. Yeah, and the idea is that we were going to do them in the run up to No Time to Die. Yeah. With the final one being the No Time to Die. And then it kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. Yeah, and then just like, yeah. Because it kept getting delayed and there was no certainty. We were like, there's no real point. And then we just lost the interest. Yeah. And then No No Time to Die came out in the cinema and then a couple of months passed and we were like, we should probably watch No Time to Die. Yeah, I just didn't bother. Yeah. Um, It's weird. As soon as it came out, I stopped. I I know. All of a sudden, it it stopped being at all interesting. Yeah. So we're going to review it now. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We'll be right to lose interest. Yeah, we were. I'll just, I'll just say, I'll just say uh, quickly, spoilers. Sure. Me, for the, Just, you know, you got to say it for this one, haven't you? Do you? Considering how it ends. If only for that, I suppose. Yeah, just for that. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about everything. Okay. Or, or we could talk about everything. We could talk about everything. Let's, talk, let's mention the good things first. Oh, please tell me. Okay. It has some nice shots. That's the first good thing. <laughs> right? Uh, I'm I, not saying it's a gorgeous film or anything. I'm just saying, oh, yeah, it's got a good shot. This is a conversation that I I've, I've, I sort of started with you off air, yeah. wasn't it? Um, I'll bring it to the podcast yeah. forum now. Do we need to... Like, okay, so when... Um, I think it was the PlayStation 3 era, that like the seventh generation of consoles, when they sort of kicked in, so PS3, mm-hmm. Xbox, whatever... 
like every single review pretty much when a game came out every single review was saying this game looks amazing yeah because i like the jump from the ps2 era was so like noticeable yeah the the increase in quality was so noticeable mm-hmm. even like the shit ps3 games looked good by comparison mm-hmm. so every single review was saying like oh this game looks amazing and if you look back on a lot of those games now you're like yeah i guess they look all right like, well of course now yeah yeah, yeah but because we yeah. progressed so much further mm-hmm. And so I think there was just a point where unconsciously everyone just kind of went everything, every single game that's coming out was saying it looks great. Mm. Maybe we should just assume that all games look great and just not bring it up. I don't think that's... Like we should, we should like move the threshold of like a great looking game. Yeah, raise, some... raise the minimum. Sort yeah. Of thing. Are we at that point with cinematography now? Because I really do feel like every film we're talking about we're complimenting the cinematography. No. No? I'll tell you why. A, you just ha- you have to give the devil his due. Okay. The film looks good. You ha- we at least have to say it looks good. Okay. That's the first thing. Secondly, our bias is towards films that are critically acclaimed. Mm. Those are the films we tend to watch. Yeah. For the so invariably, well, not invariably. There are some exceptions. They tend to look good at the very least. Mm. If we reviewed all films, yeah, we wouldn't be saying that that often. Okay. Black Widow would be an example of a film I would not say. Oh, but at least it's good looking. Mm. No, so not everything. I just think, and maybe in 10, 15 years, we'll look back on this and go, oh, it wasn't that good. Mm. But obviously, like, Space Odyssey still looks good. Mm. You still admire it for what it is and everything. But it feels like, yeah, like, it's unhealthy almost, or like ungrateful to just go, oh, let's just assume now, let's expect awesome cinematography. Mm. And so it has to be uber awesome for us to, for it to be noteworthy. But that's why I'm sort of putting it forward as, is this something that we need to update? Yeah. Because are we just calling what has become standard cinematography awesome cinematography? I wouldn't say awesome cinematography. I'm saying it's like, it's just nice looking. Mm. I'm not saying it's amazing. I'm yeah. saying, you know, give it, it's, it looks all right. Like, no, it, it does. Yeah. But at the same time, the way, and genuine question, yeah. I'm not like being critical of yeah, the yeah. film. The, the best looking shots in this film, are they not just on par with like, good-looking shots from most films nowadays. Like, are the, are the, is the is the good portions of cinematography in this film, are they really worthy of... Oh, this is an example of, like, good cinematography, or, like, this looks oh, no. really good. No, 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 no. The only reason I bring it up is because if this was, like, a really good film, mm. but kind of had the visual style it does, mm. I wouldn't mention it. Okay. But because everything I have to say is negative... Right, okay. It's like, but let's just say what is kind of good. Okay. It's got some nice shots. Sure, yeah. Anna de Armas is fun in it. Yeah, I like her. She should have been in it more. Yes. Logan Ash's death is pretty cool. He pu- he pushes the car on him. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just as a death. Yeah. The staircase shootout is pretty good. Yeah, yes. It's all right. Thing is, I've seen that sequence done before. Oh, yeah. You know, I've seen that before. Yeah. But... And I feel like I've seen... Bet. Like, I didn't love Atomic Blonde. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, I don't even think I liked Atomic yeah. Blonde. But that's a really good staircase fight sequence. Mm-hmm. Might be better than Might the one be in this. Okay. The Raid. Is there a stair- staircase fight sequence in The well, Raid? That's the film, isn't it? <laughs> uh, they've tried to wrap it all up. I'm not I'm not saying they, they've done it well. I'm just mm. saying I admire the intent. They've tried to wrap it all up or make all back to everything. To make this a conclusive yeah. end. Vesper, Blofeld, Swan... Felix Leiter, yeah. they bring it all back. They've tried to make it definitive. Mm. And the production problems, and like the delays and everything, mm. don't really shine through, I would say. Okay. It's consistent, and it's even sure of itself, but it's consistently dull. Yeah. That's the problem. 
It's not like a mess of a film in that way. You just don't give a shit the whole time. No. And a, a good microcosm for this is the opening credits. They have no identity to them because the film doesn't. Are you talking about the like the, the, the opening, you know, um, animation title sequence? Yeah, the, where the song plays. Skyfall has a lot to answer for. <laughs> it really well, does. Up our expectations. N- not just that, but I feel yeah. like every film since then, it, it's like taken too many cues from Skyfall. Yeah. Not, while not sort of understanding. Like why they worked in yeah. Skyfall. You've Casino got- Royale's good as well. Yeah, Casino Royale yeah. is great. I wish yeah. I wish we had a Casino Royale title sequence again because yeah. that's like fun and energetic and cool and like James Bond. But now since Skyfall, my- we've all got we've got these fucking dour title sequences with like these like low key ballads. My f- sorry, my I just want to quick note. My favorite moment of Casino Royale is in the opening credit sequence. Okay, which is when like the the sniper thing shoots. Double O in front of the seven of hearts. All oh, right. And then it transmutes into a computer screen and it says double O seven status confirmed. Oh, yeah. And it goes back into the credits. Like, they've put a bit of film into the opening credits. Yeah. Like, they've advanced the plot a little bit. Yeah, that. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. My favorite bit. Because it's like, it gives you uh, tingles and shivers. Like, ooh, who's going to respond? Double O seven status confirmed. This happened. <laughs> Um, not and and that's not like oh yeah the best bit of that film is in the time no oh, no it's, it's a, good, a great film yeah but like I just love that moment um, yeah but yeah, yeah Skyfall like I said dour title sequence with like that low key ballad I think like every film since Skyfall it's been this idea that James Bond is this dinosaur well it's so it, like oh there's no place for you anymore not, James Bond it's not just that it's that he's like he's becoming human and he's falling in love and stuff and he's vulnerable yeah and so all the songs are just like. It's a voice with an echo, and then music comes in a little bit. Yeah. And then there's kind of a not very exciting chorus, and it stops. Yeah. And then, yeah. And they're all written in 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got a studio, we wrote it. What's this weird competition with, oh, I wrote a James Bond theme faster? No, just yeah. write, write it better. Yeah. Well, That's what I want. May, yeah. Maybe give yourself an hour. <laughs> maybe two. Take two. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Okay. Just like listen to it after you've composed it and see like oh maybe this needs you know more music in this music yes and um, yeah the, 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 the yeah the James Bond being in like no time to die the song mm. it has a, a same melody a similar me- well it has the same melody for part of um, writing on the wall I should have known I've been here before oh yeah they're very similar and that's how the songs start and you're like oh it's that yeah. It's even the same fucking font. How do I live? How do I breathe? Yeah. Show me once. Show. It's the same thing. Could you argue that that's like an intentional? Um... No. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not giving the devil that much due. No. But yeah, it's the same font as well in the title sequence. It's the same. Yeah. It's like the same idea of just like because like they're all, imagery and they're always. Peppered. I know they all had imagery. I know, but yeah. like, you know what I mean. But they're always peppered with iconic things from the film. Mm. Even Spectre. It has, like, the Mexican Day of the Dead stuff. Yeah. This, it's got Rami Malek's mask. Yeah. That's the only bit that you kind of remember. And the rest of it's just like, oh, look, it's a car in the desert now. It's in an hourglass. It's stuff. Yeah. It's just stuff. Cogs. Cogs from a clock. Because <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Mm, as Billy Eilish does that. Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, That's all Billy Eilish music, bed, right? Man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah, just like Bond being like this outdated, like, we don't need you anymore, well, we'll get until they do. We'll get to that a little bit. And also, like, I feel like Spectre added, uh, not Spectre, Skyfall added this sort of personal angle, which I feel like not many Bond films have done. 
The fact that the, no. the fact that um, I've got his fucking name again. It's the same actor. Javi Bardem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Javier Bardem. Why am I forgetting him? Yeah, like he's a former double O and he's got like a solid he's basically like he filled the role of James Bond before James Bond came along mm-hmm. for M. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like this weird, like almost love triangle between the three of them. Yeah, it's a toxic kind of love. Yeah, triangle. Bond is sort of pulled mummy and stuff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, Bond is kind of pulled into this toxic, yeah. like pseudo love triangle. Yeah. And then like Inspector, obviously they they like bring in Blofeld, his but he's brother. like he's a, he's like his adopted brother. Now in this, there's like this um Rami Malik, the cold open, because uh, mm, snow. snow. The <laughs> Rami Malik goes to Leia Sadu's house when she's a kid. Yeah, and he and kills. That's a problem because she's like uh, Madeleine, come downstairs, but in French, and she's like, "Yes, uh, oui, maman." I'm like, "Oh, I'm supposed to care that he kills them?" No. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> we knew she was French, Sam. I know, Is this I a revelation? Know. To I know, you? I know, but yeah. But yeah, he like goes to the house to kill the father, but he ends up killing the mother, and he tries to kill. Um, the child version yeah. of Leia Sadu, and then later on in the film, Leia Sadu is a fully grown woman, mm. and Rami Malek is the exact same age. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, because his his face is under the mask the whole time, yeah. so I think that's how they try to get around it. Yeah, but he's exactly same stature, same everything. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. hasn't aged. Rami Malek is in is forty, right? Okay. Leia Sadu is thirty six. Right, right. Rami Malek should be like at least in his fifties. I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, I didn't think of that. At but all. no, he's exactly. He's got the same scarring and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it takes way too long to get going, mm. and when it does, everything feels inconsequential. Yeah. What's the highlight of the film? What's the best bit of the film? Um, I suppose you've forgotten it, haven't you? <laughs> Have you've I forgotten the film? A lot of it. I remember the uh, the forest fight because that death is in it. Yeah. The the henchman death. Yeah. I remember the opening scene on the bridge where he like the guns come out of the headlights and he does a spin. Yeah. I remember the motorbike got twenty first night of September. I remember that. Right. Okay. Do you remember? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the mo- yeah well, the motorbike's part of the same sequence. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember the opening sequence. I remember the forest, and I remember Anna de Armas. That's what I remember. Okay. Right. It's like a. It's like a two and a. How long is it? It's a three. Nearly three hour yeah, film. It's long. Yeah. Um. So that's not really acceptable. No. There's nothing majorly memorable. It's a copy and paste Bond film. Yeah, because like uh, Skyfall, that's sort of another film. Not not as uh, concretely as like Shaun of the Dead or uh, Scott Pilgrim in yeah. my case. But that's a film that I could probably like recite to you scene by scene. Yeah, same. Shot I remember. Shot, yeah, yeah, I remember each scene. I remember the purpose of each scene. I remember the order. Like there's great dialogue scenes, there's great character scenes, there's great action scenes, one after the other, mm-hmm. all visually striking. Spectre was peaks and troughs. Yeah, mostly trough. Mostly trough. But there's still stuff about that I remember. I remember Day of the Dead. I remember it. Sam Mendes. It's still Sam Mendes. Yeah, I remember the yeah. like the snow, the train fight. I remember the train fight. I remember. Yeah. I remember the first Spectre meeting. I remember the when they're going down the mountain in the snow. Yeah, there's a lot from Spectre. I remember. Yeah, yeah. No time to die hasn't nothing. Stuck. Like even Quantum of Solace. I remember the money shot from the trailer. Right, where he's falling in the cables and then yeah, it kind of like it untangles and he fires yeah, up the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember at least that. I, I remember I, that there's a plane shootout. I remember that. I remember the fight in the exploding oil complex building. Don't remember that. Don't remember that. There are things I remember. Yeah, I'm not going to remember anything from that. I'm going to remember the trailer, which yeah. was that. It's stuff. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good That's a good metric, actually. Yeah. I don't know how much of this film I'm going to remember that isn't in the trailer. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it's all the... Like I said, they've tried to make it the definitive Bond film. Mm. It's got all the characters. It's got the Aston Martin. It's got an island layer. It's got, you know, <laughs> all that. It's all the ingredients in a massive blender. It's got Dr. No. Basically. And the result yeah. is less than the sum of its parts. Is he, is he supposed to be Dr. No? No, he's not. I, I, I don't think this is a thing at all, to be honest. Because I suspect yeah and I know that you're gonna like write me off again yeah please don't <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but there's just too much where it's like I feel like he was supposed to be Dr. No and then when it, the project was delayed or during redrafts or something they thought eh why why is he Dr. No let's just make him his own thing because there's just too much I, I mean, it feels I don't know. Like, the whole island lair thing and just the mm-hmm. way that he looks and, like, there's moments peppered throughout the film. Just the fact that he's in Jamaica, like, those dots you get mm-hmm. in the... And I know that could just be like, oh, we're calling back to old Bond films. Mm-hmm. There feels like there's enough of Doctor No in there, though, that he might have... At one point, he was supposed to be Doctor No, and then they just changed their minds. I mean, maybe. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Maybe you could be right. Because it really does feel like they were building up to be like, oh, Rami Malek's going to be someone. Oh, yeah, he's nobody. No, fucking nobody. No, Lucifer Le- Safin is his name. <laughs> yeah, really? Lucifer Satan. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Bond's last kill is the devil. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. And then himself. Big spoiler. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's the... No, there's nothing left to spoil now. No. Bond dies. Bond we dies. We did it. We spoiled it. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about... Rami Malek and that character because I think we the big problem with the film is it's inconsequential it's it's unmemorable despite being the definitive end despite being the definitive end that's the big problem mm. and then there are two other big problems I would say okay Rami Malek is one of them he just pouts that's all Rami Malek does <laughs> pouts. I don't know what accent he's attempting other than pan villain yeah I just like to be tidier about it yes um oh, Mr. Bond I am evil <laughs> he's meant to be sinister but he just resembles a disfigured duck <laughs> he does doesn't he why duck because that, that, that works because duck lips <laughs> okay you say because it works yeah around <laughs> <laughs> the and I go yeah duck <laughs> yeah so he kind of he did his Freddie Mercury as well doesn't he that's the we were talking about this is he a good actor Mm. And we were talking about how we define a good actor. It's someone that can do something different in things. Yeah. In everything that they're in. Not everything, but, you know, they have range. And he's doesn't. He's great as Elliot in Mr. Robot. Perfectly mm. cast. Yeah. But it's like he can't really do anything else. No. Freddie Mercury, he's, like, mercurial and <laughs> weird. Mm. He's not Freddie Mercury. He's not charismatic. He's weird. Mm. And as Safin... He's like an, he's like a wallflower nerd. He's not with bug eyes. Yeah. He's not a villain. He's not this sinister villain. You just go, what are you doing? Mm. So I don't think he is a great actor. I don't think Rami Malek is a great actor. Mm. Like, he has to prove me wrong. Okay. Um, Elliot's not enough. Elliot's great. Yeah. He's great as Elliot. But it's... it's And fine, if that's all he ever does. But, like, everything he does now, it's like some... It's just the same kind of mm. thing, you know? Here's the thing. It's not hard to create a decent villain. I'm not saying it's easy, Mm. but it's not hard. And the Craig era has suffered a lot from the absence of great villains. You've got Silver in the middle. Mm. Bardem. Amazing. Best Bond villain ever. Mm. And then the rest. I I like... um, I know that he sort of meets an anticlimactic fate. Matt Mikkelsen. But I like Matt Mikkelsen. I will say it works for that film because the whole point is it's grounding Bond in a proper realistic context. Mm. And even though he's got the scar and everything, the whole reason they're playing poker... 
is because he's gambled away his client's money on the stock market and it's crashed or whatever. Yeah. So they, he's got his, you know, they've got their sights on him. Mm. So he's got to win all the money back. So he's just fucking panicking because mm. he's nobody. They're just going to execute him. Yeah. And they execute him. Yeah. It works. Who's the villain in Quantum of Solace? Oh, I have no fucking right. idea. Javier Bardem then. Yeah, that's good. And then it's Christoph Waltz as Blofeld. On paper, brilliant. Mm. Not in practice. <laughs> and then this, it's a disfigured duck. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, I know. Blofeld's little cage. Yeah, when it was like moving to the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, And also, very quickly, it's Blofeld, right? Hmm. And there's this whole thing in the film that we'll get onto about nanobots. And like hmm. Bond kills Blofeld by touching him, basically. Hmm. And Blofeld dies just off camera. He's like, oh, look, he's dead. And he's just yeah. like, over and... Blofeld. There's a couple of things like that. I know you, you complimented the film for feeling like it doesn't suffer from uh, production errors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things, though. And I don't know whether it is symptomatic of production error mm. or whether it's just... I know this is a three-hour film, but we still don't quite have enough time, so we just have to wrap it up quickly. Yeah. All of Spectre die in this film. Y- yeah, do the, they? Yeah. They're, they're, there's that one party that Bond goes to. Oh, yeah. Where the nanobots are supposed to kill Bond, yeah. but then they kind of invert the, the, the coding. Yeah. So it actually kills everyone who isn't Bond. Right. Except Anna de Armas for some reason. Um, and the Russian scientist. And the Russian scientist. And Nomi. Yes. More on whom in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, so all of Spectre die because they all attended one party. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah Blofeld yeah. dies off screen. We find out that Blofeld was actually running Spectre from prison. It was I. Yeah, like, we don't see it. Because yeah. that could have been, like, a fun little scene where they're like, Blofeld, we know you're involved. And then they kind of figure out that he's got, like, a... Yeah, I think there's, like... A, a, a bionic eye. Um, but no, like, Bond just goes to see him in prison and like, oh, by the way, Bond, uh, you had a bionic eye and we've taken it out. It's fine now. Yeah. Very quick note about that. I've got a list of things, like little shit things, mm. and one of them is that uh, that M line where they like they, they they worked out the Blofeld is kind of conducting his affairs from mm. prison, and he's like, scan was it scan the room, scan the prison, scan the whole damn man. Like, no, that doesn't that <laughs> yeah, doesn't uh, yeah, it doesn't scale. Properly. Yeah, it doesn't scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah that doesn't search <laughs> every room. In fact, search him. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? It's huge. It's enormous. <laughs> it's big. Exactly. It's huge. It's enormous. It's a bloke. Um, but yeah, he's yeah. fucking little cage. I, I, I guess the idea is that it's supposed to be intimidating, right? Sinister. He, he's yeah. at the end of this long corridor, bound in this cage. Yeah. Like, he's so dangerous, they won't even let him move well, on his own. Well, it's a supervillain cage. It's Hannibal Lecter meets Magneto kind of yeah. cage, isn't it? But yeah. He, yeah, he, he's at the end of this little corridor. And then... Um, whatever name Leia has to do is like oh, I can't be around him Bond because she knows that she's infected with nanobots that will kill yeah. him but she frames it as her being like scared of him yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. I can't do it she's panicking yeah, yeah. trying to get out of the room this cuts like mid shot of Blofeld like slowly squeaking his way towards I t- the camera I tell you what it reminds me of in retrospect work outing in IT crowd when Roy is being elevated oh the, yeah to the mini bus <laughs> He's just staring at them. Whatever. How on earth would you characterize his face when he's on that little lift? Oh, his whole attitude when he's supposed to be disabled. I don't even know. Yeah, there's no word for it. I don't know how. It's just kind of. I don't know how they put it down on the page. No. Or what they said to him when they were filming. Yeah. It'd be weird. Yeah. Just be weird. (laughs) Same as like um, Father Paul in Midnight Mass. Like, how was that? Yeah. Deliver it like you're just kind of discovering it and maybe, you know, like what was the direction? Yeah. (laughs) But you get a sense they just come up with it on their own. Yeah. You know? 
But yeah, Bluebell's a little fucking... That was a weird scene, though. And I'm sure... I don't know if this is a point that you're going to bring up with Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. But, like, Blofeld eventually arrives in the room with Daniel Craig. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a little cage. Um, and then uh, Daniel Craig is a meet... Because I think the purpose is that you need to get information from yeah. Blofeld. I don't yeah. know what specifically. I can't remember, to be honest. Nor can I. Yeah. But, but he's like... So, of course, James Bond. We all know what James Bond is like. And then Blofeld's suddenly in the room and he goes, Blofeld, my man. I, I have a... I have something to run by. Yeah. Like, he's doing this weird, like, overly chummy, like... Yeah, Craig in this film is weirdly stilted. Yeah. He was kind of it in Spectre as well, but in this. It's like he's lost it. He's great in Knives Out. Yeah. But in this, it, it, it's just... We- he talks weirdly. Where at the, in the first opening sequence where he grabs Madeline, he's like, Well, what have you told them? He just says... It's like Sean Connery yeah, coming through really almost. strange. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he's like, Blofeld, I want to ask you a question. Blofeld's like, okay... Yeah. So, so again, it's like supposed to be this tense, like, oh, he's meeting his. It's supposed to be Batman and the Joker. Yeah, but you've got <laughs> you've got fucking Daniel Craig being like, so Blofeld, where are where are all the weapons at? Huh? Yeah. And Blofeld's just going, I don't know. Yeah. It's like it's I like can't Blofeld... even remember any of Blofeld's lines. No, like it's like Blofeld was from like Limbo, you know yeah. the film that we yeah yeah yes. <laughs> was just yeah, kind of yeah. like I don't know yeah just like one word stoic answers just like I'm, I don't care. Yeah, and then James Bond's like, "Come on, Blofeld, yeah. you can." <laughs> so weird. It's like um, Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is like, that's not Batman and Joker. It's not. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it, it, like yeah. they're, they're completely different. They're yeah, like yeah, polar yeah. opposite characters. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. You know, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, but that was just such a bizarre. That whole sequence is just so bizarre to me. Because it's so, it's just so. I found it so funny, and I know that it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay, another big problem. Mm. No me. Oh, 007. 007. 007. It's okay. Her presence in the film. Mm. It's not as pushy or preachy as you might, as one might expect. No, it's it's she. It's not quite. Um, oh, don't you understand? She's 007 no, now, and no. she's great, and she's amazing, and you're a bad person. But Lashana Lynch is annoying. Yeah. And it's because she hasn't earned any of the cockiness or the one-liners. Like, there's a, a moment... Uh, like, you know, she kills the Russian guy. She kills a scientist, right? Mm. I think he says something like, wouldn't it be good if we could raise a whole race of people? Mm. And then she goes, you know what time it is? Time to die. Like, oh, she gets the title or whatever. Yeah. And then she kicks him off thing. And when Bond does something like that, you're either like, well, that's cool, or you just kind of... With her, it's like, you just murdered a man. <laughs> you just murdered that man. <laughs> Worse? Yeah, do you know what I mean? I don't know why it's different, but it is. That was going to be my question, because Bond yeah. is, like, your typical, like, oh, he's just cool. He can just do things. Yeah. And yet, when when, when you have uh, Nomi trying to fill the same role... Yeah. Because she is kind of, like, they're kind of trying to make her like Bond. It's yeah. not as if, like, oh, this 007 is the complete opposite no, to no, you. No, it's no. the same yeah. archetype she's filling. Is it just that? Is well, it the- I think it's... Right. She's not... It's not because she's black. It's not because she's a woman. It's because she comes fully formed. Yeah. It's we see Casino Royale, we've seen him become that... I mean, he starts a bit of a prick, mm. but he starts reckless. Like, that whole embassy shootout, he just murders everyone in the This embassy. version of James Bond, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he has some growing to do before he becomes yeah. the James Bond that we know. I'm reminded of Doctor No, though, and this is something that we brought up in the episode that never, mm. never came to be. The first time we see James Bond, it's like a proper iconic. It's like they knew this was going to be an iconic character. Yeah, yeah. Because you like you're introduced to him through the Bond James Bond trope. And the camera pans up. 
yeah and he's in his suit and it's like oh there's james bond he's just there now yeah yeah so like he sort of comes for i think he does struggle throughout dr no he has moments where he's like on the back foot and yeah 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 but he does kind of come fully formed. Well, that's not his origin story, is it, crucially? Like, they just did a James Bond film. I yeah. guess, obviously, the books were popular. Mm. But, yeah, she just comes straight out of the gate. Like, she's confident and she's sassy and not in that way. No, but uh, she's like, yeah, she's of equal. The only reason she fails is because James Bond makes it so. Yeah. If he'd left her alone, she would have succeeded at everything. Well, there's a point in the film where, like, because she's the new 007. And mm. then when they're about to go into their final mission. Yeah. They refer to her as 007, and she says, I, I would like to request that James be reinstated with his old mm. number. And he looks at her like, oh, wow. She just she says, it's just a number. Which is like a thing to the audience going, stop being so fucking precious about... Yeah. Jim. But if it's just a number, why bother then? Why are you asking it to be reinstated? <laughs> if it's just a number, why are you bothering? Yeah. Do you know what it is? You can't have it both ways. I think filmmakers nowadays forget that characters have to endear themselves to you. Yeah. You can't just be like, here's this guy, you like this guy. Yeah. No, no I'd like to get to know him a bit. Yes. You know? That used to be what the first 30 minutes of film were for. Yeah. You know? Like, Hot Fuzz, very recent example for me, because I saw it yesterday. Yes. Nicholas Angel, like, the first minute or two of that film is just like, here's Nicholas Angel, here's how amazing he is. God, he's so amazing. Fuck! Yeah. He's so good! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, like, the whole reason that they're sending him to Sanford is because he's too good. <laughs> yeah, he's making them all look bad. He's making them all look yeah. bad. But then you're immediately, like, um, you, like, meet his partner, his ex-partner yeah. now, and, like, they're revealing to you, like, oh, this is, like, where he uh, comes a cropper. Yeah. Like, he's he's emotionally disconnected, and mm. he's actually very lonely, yeah. and he knows that he's, like, married to the job. That sequence in the pub where he ends up, like, sending all of the kids, he notices that everyone yeah, in the pub yeah, is yeah, a kid, yeah. and he, like, gets them all kicked out. Like, you can see him trying to resist the urge to do it. Yeah, it's well, like it's, he sort of knows that he's, like, too committed to being a police officer. It's the scene with Danny, isn't it? It's the whole thing of, like, you got to learn to relax or whatever. It's like, I don't know how. It's yeah. like, you know, that rom-com scene. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that character comes out of the gate, like, here he is, he's great, he's yeah. the best. But you still, like, the film still endears you to him. Yes. You get him. You yeah. get what he needs to learn. And we don't get that with her. No, she's just there. Yeah. So that's her. She's a problem. Hmm. Every Bond film, as you alluded to earlier, since Goldeneye, has dealt with Bond's obsolescence. Well, since Goldeneye? Really since Goldeneye. Wow. Okay. Like, not, not just him being old, like, and, and a dinosaur kind of thing, mm. but just that being a spy is obsolete. Right. Especially the Craig ones, obviously. And they've all dealt with the changing nature of spycraft. Like, basically, you'll have some version of this line in every film. It used to be Russians in hats and alleys, and now it's like code and pixels and the ether <laughs> like that you'll get some version of that line it's drones now man it yeah. used to be B2 bombers um, it used to be the Taliban now it's bites <laughs> yeah there's a version of that in this where M says something like that we used to know who the enemy were now we don't even see them something like that right and like Skyfall did that they're all hacky yeah. now they're all hackery yeah. that's the thing you did it in Skyfall and I understand that like doing films after Skyfall it feels a bit hollow because like yeah we just did the whole James Bond is obsolete thing. Yeah. I know, like, the, 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 the resolution was sort of saying, like, oh, you still kind of need James Bonds yeah. in the world. But why would you do it again? Yeah, exactly. We're done with that now. You've, yeah, you've do done it. Do something else. You've done it, and you've done it well. Yeah. I, I, I know that it might be difficult to think, like, oh, what can we do after, oh, you're kind of obsolete. Yeah. But yeah, you did it. Like, I don't I don't understand this obsession with just re- reiterating. Reiterating it all the time, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, nanobots. So... 
Nanobots, the year's 2021. Yes. Nanobots are a staple of naughty sci-fi. Mm. Basically, if, if you're making a sci-fi film in 2004, mm. it's going to involve nanobots. Yes. Including the James Bond game, Everything or Nothing. Oh, right. In which they're like the main threat, basically. Mm. Aren't we past nanobots? Nanobots are so 2005. <laughs> they're so, yeah. so past them. I don't know. Are we at the point now, technologically speaking, where nanobots are like a legitimate... That, like, that could be reality soon. Maybe, but you know what I mean? It just feels like, I don't know, nano, the word nanobots. Not, not the way they're being depicted in No yeah, Time to yeah, Die. Yeah, yeah. The way they're being depicted in No Time to Die is very 2004. Well, it's ridiculous. In, in yeah. 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 Touch someone and they die. Yeah. I made it so that if you touch your wife or daughter, then they'll d- Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. And I realized they did a little trick in that as well. Because Bond basically says, come bomb the base hmm. before he finds that out. Oh, and right. that's just so we go, oh, it's not just because he can't touch the wife and kid. He would have done that anyway. Right. He's James Bond and he's brave. Um, <laughs> he's just a brave he's man. Brave, brave man. <laughs> um, why did I feel the need to respond to that as Moss going, I made a mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? I yeah, why? Know, got nothing to do with that. I think it's the way you said it. Who made a mistake? Nobody. All right. The sentence means nothing. Okay. I think it's the way you said it. In my head, it just saw Moss going, I made a mistake. <laughs> Okay, so... Maybe we need to watch the IT crowd again. Maybe, That's twice yeah, we've referred yeah. to it now. It's, uh... Let's talk about some of the little niggly problems. We're not going back to 007 again, are we? Okay. Black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Racism. Well, Felix, actually. The thing oh, is, interesting. Right, okay. In this, Felix is killed. And he dead. He dead. And, like, you know, it's this whole thing, this brotherhood between Bond and Felix. Bond is the only person Felix trusts... Um, and there's a moment when he kills Logan Ash, who's the man that kills Felix. Mm. He says um, something like, hey, brother, want to have a brother out? Or something like He's like, I had a brother, and his name was Felix. And it's awkward, especially in this film, because Blofeld is his brother as well. Yeah. Because like, that line doesn't really... Anyway, point being, Felix Leiter is a character in the James Bond series of novels and he's popped up in some of the films randomly, mm. always played by a different actor. Mm. And then he, Jeffrey Wright is in Casino Royale. He's a, a CIA agent, also undercover at the casino. Mm. And he says to Bond, look, I fucked up. We will stake you as long as the CIA get taken the sheath. Yeah. That's it. He's in Quantum of Solace in a scene that Bond isn't even in. Mm. And then he's in No Time to Die. And it's like they're brothers. Yeah. When did that happen then? <laughs> I haven't bought into that relationship at all. No. Like, they're just... I mean, you meet hundreds of people in, like, the SP. You're going to meet people from fucking Russia and Norway and France. And- pr- Bond probably has a closer relationship with Q than he does with Felix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're brothers. Yeah. No, not this Bond. No. Not this Bond. Um, Q and the watch, that was a weird thing. Where twice in one scene, he's in his house, and he's gay in this, isn't he? Don't they imply that he's gay? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Initially, John's he- coming around, doesn't he? <laughs> Stefanos is yeah. <laughs> uh, is on his way. Um, yeah, in in Skyfall he was young. Inspector yeah. he had cats, and in No Time to Die he's gay. That's that's yeah, Q's yeah. character yeah. arc. Yeah, because Ben Whishaw's gay. It's like oh, we can make Q gay, right? Uh, yeah, twice once they ask him the time or they allude to time, and he kind of does this weird thing where he really quickly raises his hand up to like pull back his sleeve and then mm. look at his watch, as though that was like a character thing. But he mm. does it twice in one scene, like ooh up and then looks at his watch. Okay. Just a weird thing that I noticed. Like, why? What's that about? Okay. I was like, is that like 
is that a weird callback to the to Surge? No, no, to the um <laughs> the watch advertisement in Casino Royale. You know, on the train, like oh Rolex. It's the best, oh, right. whatever it is. Oh, I think Rolex have like they've done an advert for every Bond film, right? It's Rolex, yeah. it's Heineken, and there's like a airline as well that I think tie into Bond. Okay. But is that I thought is that what that is? Are they trying to show us the watch? Like Maybe. Kind of, anyway. Maybe. Also, whenever Bond is with his family, not just with Madeline, but when he meets his daughter mm. and when they leave on the speedboat, it's golden hour. It's like the rule is if Bond is with his family, <laughs> the sun is just setting yeah. and it looks like a picture. It's idyllic. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's the new thing now, right? Um, Film of golden the hour. The Revenant, Chloe Zhao. Yeah, that fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it's all a golden hour now. And I just want to highlight one sentence that shows how silly the film is, really. Okay. And that is said with a completely straight face as Q is directing them through the maze of the island. Mm. You're at the edge of a toxic merry-go-round. Right. And that's all I've got to say about my part of <laughs> Yeah, why was there um, acid rivers at the base where they manufacture the microbots? Oh, because it's Dr. No. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is Dr. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem, is that it's not Dr. No, but it is Dr. No. Yeah. What was Dr. No's plan? What was he up to? I can't remember Dr. No's. It's different in the book and it's different in the film. Okay. Because, um, they, yeah, they went to an island base and he was, like, manufacturing something. Yeah, that's how he dies. He slides into, like, the pool of... Yeah. In the book, he's buried alive under guano, which is bird poop. Ooh, okay. That's how he dies in the book. I see. Yeah. Are we done with No Time to Die? Yeah, it's really boring. Really boring. It's really boring, and as you really say, um, it's inconsequential... Which, given that it's the grand finale, is is a bit of a problem. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not a recommendation from us, I don't Not think. a recommendation. Skip it. Yeah. You're not going to get anything out of it. Where does it sit in the the Daniel Craig quintilogy? Quintology? Do you know what? I don't know. Skyfall is the best. Casino Royale is the second best. And then I'll let you know kind of thing. Like, okay. Everyone's put it third. Right. I'm not convinced it's better than Quantum, even. I'm only saying it is because I, I literally re- remember so little of Quantum. Yeah, it pro- it, okay. I don't know if it's better than Spectre. Okay. Because Spectre, at least, like, <laughs> I there are things I remember about it. Mm. Cinematography is great. Direction is really nice. Yeah. Script is awful. Mm. But, you know, it's it looks really visually memorable. Yeah. And it made me angry, that film. <laughs> right. This, I just kind of feel... How can I not be excited about James Bond? About a James Bond film? I yeah. grew up on James Bond. I yeah. love James Bond. No, you're right. It's an event to go and see a James And I just... As soon as it came out, we didn't even see it. It was like a... Mm. Just felt like, nah, I wasn't gonna... Yeah, we didn't even see it in the cinema. No, we didn't. No, we watched it at home. Yeah. Well, sorry to end on a downbeat note. <laughs> but, um... But end on a downbeat note. note. We, we shall. shall. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? That's it. That's, that's it. all I've got. Uh, you're welcome for a relatively short episode. Rel- <laughs> relatively <laughs> short, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's I guess it. that's it. Yeah. Right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.